are now listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion. Yes. You cling on, bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 249 of Dribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Hello everybody, it's Sun, and I'm I'm reading legal stuffs, because raisins. <laughs> Fascinating. It is I, Dog. And hopefully we will have some stragglers joining us in a little while. Dirty uh. stopouts. I know, I know. And we have also got joining us in the studio some guests. We have got David Lindbergh and we have got Will Ross from FCD Events. Welcome to both of you. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Hello. Great to be here. So, first of all, FCD Events, what can you tell us about what it is you are and what you do and who you are? Wow. Um, well, are a uh, events group, obviously. We run um, small to medium-sized charity events at the moment, uh, based here in the UK. Um, we have been going now for three years now, been going, I can't remember. Three or four years, if you want to include the, the first one. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, we've been going for four years now. Ever-growing, ever-getting bigger and more popular. Us. Uh, David, is there anything you want to add to that? Well, the fact that uh, you know it's a fan-run event for fans, um, going back to the old days of the way events used to be, we just wanted to bring back something a little bit more traditional and give it that special feeling amongst everybody that's attending to have a great time. That's guests and the, the public attending. And, uh, and at the same time, while having a great, great time at these events, We've raised a lot of money for charity, so that's pretty much all the angles that we uh, 
wanted and pretty much covered. Now, you're not just a Star Trek convention, are you? You're a sci-fi convention. Correct. Uh, that's right. Uh, we used to be... Um, well, we started out as just a Star Trek uh, FCD. Um, never actually stood for First Contact Day. People always assumed that it did. Went what did that. it stand for, then? Fans and Celebrity Days. Ah, that's it was interesting. All, it was always our hope. Uh, because we because the, the because the event we always set it on first contact day, so everybody just assumed, and we never we never corrected them because we thought it kind of stuck. So <laughs> it it just worked for us because uh, our first event was actually on. First, we've always been around in and around those dates. We just kind of went with it, and it was always based on Star Trek. Uh, but uh, then we decided that it was time that we kind of explored other areas of fiction. So we. Uh, we, uh, we, we evolved, not really looked back since. No, certainly haven't. Now, this year, you've got a nice sort of lineup, which includes, of course, Star Trek, as we mentioned, but you've got Stargate, Babylon 5, um, Stargate. So you've got a nice wide range of sort of sci fi, um, TV, and movie sort of selected with your guests, haven't you? Yeah, um, we've very, we feel very, very honoured, privileged to have been able to secure the guest lineup that we do. We're honestly blown away uh, with it. Each time I look at it, I'm, I, I sit and I giggle to myself and I think, no, <laughs> this shit's not real. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not. It's not real. Um, you know, but it is real. Uh, it's really happening. Now, and, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say now. Long-term listeners of the show um, will, of course, heard us talking about you last year because that was the first year that I'd, of course, heard of um, the event and um, had actually sort of talked about it on the show. And, um, of course, something happened that doesn't usually happen, um, which, of course, we also covered, was the fact that you received a cease and desist. Um, are you able to tell us a little bit more about that and sort of changes you had to make well it was two cease and desist orders interesting um yeah we uh we were we were issued with cease and desist orders um over our use of intellectual uh copyright material basically uh start with it was to do with having our star trek actors um as their star trek characters Martok as Martok, Gowron as Gowron. Okay. You know, uh, here in Arise. Um And our use of Deltas, logos, starships. Although we didn't really use many of those, it was noted that uh had used them previously. Yeah, the, the power, legal teams, they just sort of throw everything in there, don't they? <laughs> they do. They did. Um, and, you know, truth be told, we did nothing different to what every other event had done and still does all over the world, um, you know, week in, week out. Anybody that's organizing any event does the same thing still. Yeah. But uh, obviously we uh, got, uh, I don't want to use the word caught because that wouldn't, that's not entirely accurate, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, on the show last year, we surmised it was more to do with another event that was licensed that would probably going on um so but yeah 
these things happen but you still you changed some things around and you went ahead and you did a one-day event for the people who had booked um last year which i went along with my son and um that was his first convention that he and well only convention he's actually been to and he absolutely loved it so um but yeah he it was really good. Um, it was a nice sort of turnout, and it was good to see the money that you raised for the charities as well. Yeah, um, we were we were glad to have to have done it, but um, it hurt. That entire day was very very painful for for both David and I, because it wasn't what was supposed to have happened. It wasn't in the location it was supposed to have been. Um, didn't have the guest lineup we were supposed to have had. Hurt. It hurt a lot. It was um, thanks to uh, all of those and yourselves included who attended, um, along with JG, Aaron, Claudia, John, who actually picked us up and it helped us heal a little. We're not totally healed. We're not going to be totally healed until 2.0 is out of the way. But uh, it was a good start. Something like that must honestly kind of be devastating to to have this this fandom that you that you've started around because you're part of that fandom and then you start to expand and then to have the the people behind that fandom's IP literally come at you and go, Nope, shut it down for what seems like no other reason than legal bullshit. Well um, they're the thing is, they're they're entitled to do what they did to us because legally they can. What was just sad about it was that you didn't really see anybody else get dealt cards that we got dealt. Um, there were there were a few events, and I believe and correct me if I'm right or wrong on this one, Will. There was a cruise that was also cancelled, but other than that, everyone else was going about their normal business, doing everything that we were told we couldn't do. Um, but And the, the thing that really hurt, besides everything else that was hurting us, was we were doing it in the name of charity. And yeah. that's what was so sad. It was we just wanted to see the money coming in for charity, but that, that didn't happen. I mean, we still did incredible. I mean, the people that turned up were you included were fantastic everyone was so supportive and have been continually supportive of us and it, it just shows you that um the attitude is out there to be behind people and and help them uh which i don't think has been seen before with with any event people go to events and enjoy them but to stand up with us and say we're with you and we are going to be with you and <coughs> and and carry on through to the next event and the next event uh and as will said it was a very very hard event to do 1.0 but what got us through it was how incredible everyone was from the very start i mean the tone was set from the very beginning when we did our opening ceremony with the guests and then greeting the public, and then something special happened, which kind of sparked off the whole theme of the, or the mood, I should say, not the theme, the whole mood of the event. And everyone was just terrific and didn't want to go, um, us included. It was yeah. just so wonderful to see 
how appreciative everyone was, but also how understanding, supportive, and like, can't wait for your next one. You've done such a cracking job. Um, between Will and I, and we did, it was funny, we discussed everything we were going to do through the event. The one thing we didn't discuss and individually did it, and we didn't realize it till later on, because we, we hardly saw each other during the dinner, was we decided to go around and speak pretty much to everyone because we wanted to make sure that we had done it right because we were too busy being on, um, we were on attention, you know, so you see only as much as you can. And we went around and we sat with people and it was wonderful to hear what they were all saying. And it was also a relief. I think you'll agree, Will. Yeah, um, it was so hard. We were broken. I'm not going to lie. We were absolutely broken. The first... Now, go on, first, continue, Will. You know, the, the first cease and desist order, we made the changes. We did everything that was requested of us. Then they came back and hit us with an effectual shutdown order. We were broken. There were, we had nowhere to turn. We had invested so much uh, personal money uh, of event generate, you know, ticket sale money, vendor money, um, everything. Everything. We, we put everything in. Uh, we, <clears> were ready, we were ready to go. There was nothing that we needed to do. All went all went to shit you know we were broken and we just we were lost yeah now when you've been talking about 2.0 and 1.0 um that's regarding what you've dubbed the event now as out of the ashes 1.0 and 2.0 that's correct yeah um basically after um the original title of the what happened that was std 2016 we kind of had a theme of SCD 2014, 2015, 2016, and so on. Um, and that, that, that was going to continue. But um, after what happened, we just decided that we just, we just couldn't continue with that name anymore. Um, so we needed to come up with something um, that just represented what we were actually trying to do. You know, we were trying to rise from the ashes of, um, and be reborn like the Phoenix. You know, the Phoenix is reborn. Yeah. Um, and it actually couldn't have been more apt, really, to be honest with you. It was, um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Uh, the first, the 1.0, it was amazing. Uh, there will never be another event like that, I don't think, ever. No, you couldn't, you uh, couldn't plan it. You could not plan it. It happened the way it did. Um, and it was, it was unique, definitely. Yeah. Um, we have got a lot of shit um, from people uh, and we still do uh, from time to time it still crops up um, over people that were calling us con artists rip-off merchants uh, we had stolen all their money uh, we had taken all the ticket sale money and we had just decided to do a be dishonorable you know we know this stuff goes on out there we, we we're well aware that it you know this stuff really does happen so we kind of had to just deal with it as best that we could yeah, which was the reason, which was the reason place. why we tried to do we, we did 1.0 out FCD out of the ashes 1.0 um, to show people look we're not going anywhere you know we kept ourselves very visible on Facebook and, and social media we kept talking um, trying to show people look we're not running we're not hiding um, you know we we did we did nothing wrong and we are absolutely as gutted and as upset and as mortified as hurt and as pissed off and as angry and as you know as all of you people out there who, who believe you lost your money now we are aware that there were some people out there that booked hotels 
uh, on um, uh, pay in advance, you don't get your refunds back, you know, and there was nothing that we could do about that. Absolutely nothing that we could do about it. Um, you know, and there were a lot of people that bought tickets that believed that they had lost money. So, you know, we, we organized 1.0 to kind of supplement, uh, give them, give, give, give the people, give the fans something. Um, even if they didn't accept it, we were hoping that it would show that, you know, look, we're trying, we're trying to make this right. Um, yeah. and it was, it was always the plan that to come back in 2017 and try to put right the things that went wrong. To do what you wanted to do originally. Well, yes and no. We didn't, I, I don't think that we, um, yeah, I suppose, yes, to do what we wanted to do originally is correct, but we've gone about it in a completely different way this time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think that, yeah. I think we need, we need to make, we, we, we in ourselves, our peop- as what we are as people, um, we can't rest until we believe that each and every person that bought a ticket for FCD 2016 is satisfied um, that we honoured our end of the agreement our end of the deal uh, I think I think that would be a fair assessment of it David what do you think very very much so we've we've worked we worked so hard in the first place to do the original then we worked at super quick time to redo rebrand and give them 1.0 um, it was successful it did make a mark for itself and it did show to people that we were true to our words um, so much so that we had a few people that had questioned and doubted us either through phone or message or whatever, um, who then came to us after saying, we were so sorry. Um, you have to understand that we just thought you were like those other certain conventions that would have just cut and run and took our money or what have you. And, um, obviously not all, not all events are like that. It's the majority that aren't, there's just those few and we got tarnished with them, but we made it right. And they said, we wish we did doubt you, but we don't now. And you did a fantastic event. And we're so glad that we came and we can't wait till next year for whatever next you plan. And while all that was going on and everyone started talking between themselves, either swapping numbers or on Facebook, everyone started going, why have we got to wait till next year? for their next event can't there be another one beforehand and in between everything else because they asked for it and it was it was a wonderful idea we did a a, a small event called 1.5 which was in november and that was amazing and it, it just reconfirmed that the people are there for us and then here we are now working to uh, a different format with some different different guests, and it's so exciting. We are literally. Um, I mean, I, I never expected to be doing something like this uh, ever. I've always wanted to meet guests through the years, the celebrities such as the ones we've got coming, and you know, I mean, my God, we've, we've got flipping Tron coming for goodness' sake. You know, <laughs> you know, Tron has been with me for for forever, and. You know, we're on we're on phone calls and emails and whatever communication terms, and it's like this stuff's real and it's really happening. And what's particularly lovely about what we 
do and where we're coming from is everyone in the environment that we create, everybody gets on and it's really relaxed. They come in, they're they're if they're new to it, obviously they might be a little bit not dubious, that's not the word I'm looking for, but like, oh gosh, what I don't know what to expect. I know what events are like. You come through to our event, and I'm hoping that you'll agree with me on this one, Steve. And you, uh, uh, although you've obviously not done that many, you come and go, well, this is so different. It's so almost very personal. I mean, Will and I, for example, we're there in the, in the middle of it all. We will come and say hello and talk to you. We will point out and stick our hands in the air and go, we are the organizers. If you need us, come find us. How often do you go to an event where you find the organizer? They will be nowhere to be seen and you have to deal with the staff. Um, not saying that's a bad thing, but we prefer, no matter how big we get, we prefer being right in the middle. We're here with you. We want to have a great time and we can do that through you because we're going to be too busy to even see the event. We're not even going to see it. We'll see it through you. We'll see it through your photos and your talks and everything else. And it's such an uh, amazing atmosphere. And we've only been able to carry on because of our wonderful public that do follow support and spread the word and because of our wonderful celebrity friends or friends of that have either supported us backed us followed us or talked about us um and and, it, and it's wonderful it's such an incredible feeling yeah because last year wasn't it um claudia christian that turned around and said well they they may have given you that but i'm still coming um exactly gave you some port from the get-go it was precisely. It was um, basically we were broken, absolutely destroyed, um, and uh, I can't remember the reason why. But we decided we we skyped or our phone called Claudia. We were, I think it was Skype. We'd, we we skyped to, to to let her know that we're going to have to yeah stop. But, I mean, I won't use the exact language that she used, um, but it was something along the lines of no. You're not. You're fucking not. Um, I'm still coming, so let's just do something. Even if it's just me and ten fans in a room, let's just do something. Um, and said a few other things, and it kind of it gave us inspiration. It kind of inspired us to not only um, hire a room with for just ten fans and Claudia, but to create 1.0. And she was absolutely amazed. She had absolutely no clue of what we had actually done with her idea until she actually got there. Uh, well, we did try to tell her, but... Um, yeah, she know. didn't expect that, did she? That's right. I, f I forgot about that. She kind of thought, what we got? 30 people coming? <laughs> yeah, that's right. She thought, she thought 30 people. Um, you know, she said, you know, she's not sure I'm going to bring that many pictures. <laughs> um, David turned around and said, "No, no, you better just send them in advance, like you normally do, so you don't have to carry them on a plane." She said, "Yeah, but it's only thirty. I'm only like thirty people." And then David said, "No, no, you might need a few more than that." <laughs> it was, um, and I still don't think that she actually believed it until the day uh, no. when she started seeing all these people pouring in the room, and it was a bit like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah, Claudia. Once uh, Claudia just said, "I'm coming anyway," and um, JG found out what we were up to, called, and he just said, look, let me help. Let me do something. I want to do something. It's a horrible, shitty situation, um, and I want to do something. 
I'm not going into the exact details of what he said because the, the man is very anti-establishment anti at times. Um, um, made it very clear that he was going to take no for an, he was he was not going to take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, so that was JG on board. Wow, um, he really does sound like Martok. <laughs> oh, you um, unbelievably oh. so. Unbelievably so. so. Um, you, you can't. The man is just. The I man. Don't think there is a Martok. It, it's just JG Hertzler. That's it. Just JG. <laughs> just JG in makeup, basically. Oh, blind. Wow. He, I mean, the man is a legend. I mean, you know, two point oh, for example, he 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 was originally supposed to come to two point oh. He told us that he couldn't do it because he had signed a contract elsewhere and forgot about it. So we were like, okay, cool. And then a couple of days before New Year, he calls me up and says, hey, Will, guess what? Uh, not doing that show on the West Coast no more. Uh, I'm coming to the 2.0. And I'm like, no, you're not. And he said, no, no, I'm coming to 2.0. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's sort something out. So I'm like, well, you know, JG, your family, so come on, let's just do this. Let's work something out. And then he said, okay, cool. I'm going to announce myself on New Year's Day. Okay. So that's kind of how <laughs> that conversation went. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't ask us to change it to the JG event event group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but honestly, the, the man is an absolute legend, and um, he, he most certainly is one of our brothers from another mother. Uh, Very much. And don't forget about with uh, with Aaron as well. No, no, Aaron was exactly the same. Aaron, and, you know, and he'd been through the trenches with his health. Yeah, and yet, yeah. I mean, he and this, of course, is Aaron Eisenberg who played Nog. Yeah. I mean, he didn't need that. Um, he didn't need the stress of it all. But he just turned around and he said, uh, "Let me come, please. I want to come over. Let me let me do something." Um, you no, know, again, it was not simply. He wasn't. I wouldn't say they used the word begging, but it was like he, he just wanted to be there. He wanted to share in um, support and do something that totally extraordinary and out of out of the ordinary. Um, you know. So we ended up with Claudia coming over, JG coming over, Aaron coming over, John Carrigan uh, driving up, and uh, it, it actually turned into it turned into a mini convention uh, without it ever actually needing without it never should have been a, a mini convention at all. You know, it should have just been a few people turning up, a few friends to uh, sit and cry in the corner over what should have been, but it it was totally the different to that. It was totally the opposite. In our chat. I think what was um, sorry, interrupting. I thought what, another thing that was beautiful after the event was uh, between myself and Will, we got either messages or phone calls or however they wanted to communicate with friends of JG, friends of Aaron, and friends of Claudia, saying, "Well done! I heard what a great job you guys did," and it was because Claudia and JG and Aaron had told them about us. And I don't know, and I'm not sure if I'm quote I'm not don't quote me exact on the words, but it was something along the lines of with JG. I think he said that if he, he'd said to his group, if you ever get a chance and are asked to go to an FCD event, you want to go. Yeah, right. yeah. it was pretty much worse of those effects. Pretty much um, was that, and that was just ambassadorial. Thank you yeah. very much. You know, there was what there was a couple of um, well, actually there was about four. Um, absolutely massive Star Trek actors that got in touch personally um, and said, heard what had happened, and we were absolutely gutted, but don't let the bastards get you down. 
um, and and well done for doing what you did. Um, words to that effect. Um, I'm not going to name names, but you know, and I do mean massive from the Star Trek world, and so and that was absolutely beautiful to hear. Uh, and it really after after the emotion of 1.0, um, and that was very very good to hear because it proved that um, you know. What right. happened to us? What happened to us got out there. It really did get out there, and it um, it had resonated with with the actors, with the fans alike, and even the ones that were never connected um, to, to the original FCD twenty sixteen. That was fun. That was good. It was very, very, very welcome and very cool. That's really good. In our chat, we've had Charles LaForge says, um, despite the cloud that was over the last. FCD event, it had a silver lining. Hopefully, this time we get the rainbow, and then in brackets, yes, that's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went on to say, um, JG was stunning. He was stood greeting us as we arrived. Out of costume, I didn't recognize him and thought he was hotel staff, and he didn't take offense and actually helped us out with booking in. <laughs> oh, that's why we had to pay JG. He didn't mention what it was about. Now I understand, right? I, you know what? I did wonder why he held his hand out. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't get that. I and thought then he, he was and, quite, Yeah. Oh, okay. And then he did actually help us take our suitcases to the car as well. I he remember did, that. He did. I mean, I the agreement, that was really nice. The agreement was that we paid him in pasta and whiskey. You know, I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought we did that. You know, we he had plenty of pasta and he had loads of whiskey. So I'm thinking, you know, I thought our job was done, but clearly, um, there was something I missed there. So yeah, well, now we understand. Thank you, Mister Laforge. <laughs> now, can you remember how much um you actually managed to earn for the different charities last year? Uh, individually, over four thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, individually, no, but I can tell you it was over four thousand. I can't tell you individually. Well, I, well, how, oh, I suppose I could actually. Hang on. I know I've got um, it on a post somewhere. Yeah, well, it's not. A, I've, no, I've got it on my file somewhere. Ah, it's still um, organised. But, and, of uh, course, this is 4,000 in a single day. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, but, yeah, people were sort of very generous. They were. They were. Oh, uh, what about I, what about on the opening ceremony? Yeah, I mean, you know. We, we had well, one lady uh, donate £1,000. Oh, yeah, incredible. that's right. Okay, I can tell you exactly now. Um, the Claudia Christian's C3 Foundation, um, he took away £1,640. Um, Help for Heroes, which is a UK version of Wounded Warriors, uh, took 750 Macmillan Cancer Care, which is uh, a, a support um group that goes around helps people who have cancer 750 pound cancer research uk they took uh 750 pounds um sr what's sr oh uh that's not was that lorna's one sr sure it should be vasculitis uk oh it should be yeah, vasculitis must, must, yeah. Must be. yeah vasculitis uk they had a hundred pounds um and the and there was 70 Seven pounds donated uh, to smaller individual charities, and the, the grand total was four thousand six hundred and seventy. Sorry, four thousand seventy-six pounds in total was the was the actual amount donated, which was just amazing. Uh, it was. There was. There I was, I was some, so surprised that much was able to be raised. There was um, some. There was a, a whole load of change in buckets. I'm talking like 
pennies and two peas and five peas and ten peas, and I just seriously couldn't be asked counting all that. So I just dumped that in one of the local charity buckets. Probably why I've put seventy-seven pounds pending. Yeah. Do you know what? And this is not a. I'm not making a dig, but wouldn't it be nice if at larger conventions with the amount of people they have walking through them, that even if they just took a pound from the ticket money charity, that would be absolutely incredible. We're a teeny weeny little event, and in one day raising around four thousand pounds yeah a big event could bring in anywhere between 20 and a hundred thousand pounds at the weekend which would be marvelous and i i just think it's don't get me wrong i know we have charity sometimes thrown in our face too much but um a pound a ticket come on it would be great and it would be doing so much for the community absolutely i'm sorry that's just i think that's just my own personal opinion but uh I know we're in it to, you know, there are, you're in it to make the money, and I get that. But come on, one pound. One pound is not going to kill anyone. And it, but, definitely but it could save someone. I'll definitely side with that because I'm of the belief that, you know, if, if you pay, say, 19 pounds for uh, an item at a convention and there's a little charity jar on the table, just say, well, here's 20. Stick a pound in that jar, and I'll walk away with the the item that I just bought. Yep, I mean that works. That works. Or even make um, it that it was literally you've got a little tick box. Would you like to donate an extra pound so people could choose that they wanted to do it? So I'm sure a lot of people would. Yeah, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they sure. would. As long as they knew that it definitely went to the charity, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean I that's mean, that's one thing that we do. We we get. We, we donate it, and then we get the thank you from the charity, unless, of course, the person is from the charity that's there at the time that we're doing it, in which case, yeah. job done. Or in our case, two people from the charity. So. The thing is, we do say this, but, of course, a lot of these big corporations and companies, they do give to charity in their own programs. So it's not always that they don't. It's just the events that we <coughs> see them doing, we don't see them doing that at those particular events. Oh, no, quite right. So, so right. although we say we think they should do this, of course, I'm sure they give thousands or even hundreds of thousands or millions away every year to charities all over the world, for all we know. Um, but, well, yeah, uh, but that's usually because for them it's a, it's a tax write-off. Exactly. It's just not <laughs> as visible to the attendees to these other events. I do um, think, I mean, I get that. I, I kind of feel... I don't want to get too hard onto charity because, you know, charity, you, you, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people go, well, charity starts at home. Times are tough. And I get that. But I do think with if you're going, going to an event and a pound was donated here and there, um, it's, it's something visible and it shows that they care. They're not doing it for tax reasons. They're doing it because they care. Okay? Yeah. Why do we do Help for Heroes? Let me think. Will Ross. Will Ross is very passionate about Help for Heroes, and that's great. Between us, we're very strong about cancer. Who hasn't had someone, knows someone, or even had it themselves that's unfortunately been struck by the, the evil sea? And yeah. so we want to do – I mean, look, my, my dad's just got over it, you know, and that's absolutely fantastic. He battled, and he was a, he was a real shock, you know soldier on that i can't even go to the dentist and my dad th- went through what he did and the people looking after my dad were fantastic so yep let's do that 
and then the C3 Foundation, which obviously I'm involved with with Claudia, um, which obviously Claudia uh, set up after it being such a success uh, in saving her life. And, you know, it's not something secret there. She's, she's written about it, talked about it and promotes it because if she can be saved, then so can others, you know, and that's for people that have a, a serious drink problem, which is not considered as a disease, but it is in one respect. It's a disease of the mind and you can be helped. And, uh, you know, everything I, I do or we do, and then my other business, uh, the, the merchandise company, if we can put money towards that, we do. And it, it might not seem like much, but £60 or $60 is six months of medical help for one person who has a serious drink problem. You know, so it's um, I, I'm not bothered about the whole tax issue. I would be more interested in I want you to see that we're doing it and also why we're doing it and because we care and not yeah. because we're trying to earn brownie points. Oh, look at us. We're doing it for cancer. And I don't think anyone does do that, but I don't want it to be seen that way. And I just wish that we would just see more people doing it. Um, and if they are doing it for tax reasons, they're only doing the amount that they can get away with. Maybe I'm guessing. Uh, whereas if it was one pound a ticket, you've got 50,000 people over a few days turning up. That's a lot of money and that's wonderful, but, it's it's not really going on maybe it will one day who yeah. knows now before we get on to what sort of things people could expect by attending um this year's out of the ashes um one of the things that you've been doing that you were telling me about earlier was the fact that anyone who had booked last year um actually gets um a ticket this year could you tell us a little bit more about that and what it is um the people who booked tickets last year would receive um yeah um we um basically um anybody that bought a ticket for fcd 2016 um we rather than them lose their money we have we decided to honor their tickets for out of the ashes 2.0 it could be anything from a day ticket up to what was our premium pass which was called the riser pass um anybody that bought a ticket who paid in full uh, will have their ticket honored um all they have to do is email us and um, we will automatically upgrade their tickets for them or update their tickets. I mean, all they have to do is basically produce uh, either a copy of the ticket they would have received from Ticket Tailor, a confirmation email they would have gotten from us, uh, a PayPal receipt, bank transfer receipt, anything as long as with, they, we, can, we can prove uh, or validate um, that they had actually had a ticket, uh, we will honour it. Um, we did that because it's the right thing to do. Uh, as we said, you know, there were a lot of people that felt that they lost money. There were a lot of people who were disappointed uh, that uh, the original FCD 2016 did not take place and because we had to postpone it a year. Um, so we felt it was the right thing to do. Rather than cancel everybody's tickets and make them pay again, what we've done is we said that we were going to honor the tickets now. Obviously, this has come at, you know, a considerable cost to us um, to do that, you know. So we, you know, we have said that if anybody would like to make a donation to, towards the event, they can do so. Or if they feel that they wanted to actually repurchase their tickets, they can do so. Um, but they're under no obligation to, they're under absolutely no obligation. No one's holding the gun to their head. So if you paid 
um, ten pound for your day ticket last year, then you don't have to pay a damn thing for to get in this year. Similarly, if you paid one hundred and twenty-five pounds for the top ticket, um, you don't have to pay a damn thing either. It will be upgraded um, to what is now called our Phoenix Pass, which is actually worth considerably more than the original price. So you're actually getting more um, now. We we felt that was the right thing to do. Um, stupid, yeah, and it's but right, the right thing to do because obviously it's the the cost. Yeah, and it's something that you wouldn't see other conventions really doing at all, um, especially these small ones. Well, even the big ones. Um, if it got cancelled, depending on the circumstances, you may not even get your money back. And if they hold another one, they're not going to give you a free pass. Um, no, I mean it's. I don't. I think it's rare. Um, I, I don't think there is many that would actually do that, if any. But you know, the, we do know that there are some honourable, very honourable convention organisers out there that we could probably put our hands on our hearts and say, if they could, they would um, do the same thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have to take care of ourselves, and this was what we decided to do. Now, we, you know, we hope that it's enough for people to turn around and say, okay, again, this just proves that they're not what we thought they are. I'll see, I guess. Yeah, now the event is in the International Centre in Telford, of course, in the UK, and is on March 31st to April 2nd. So, over those three days, what can people expect to have on the itinerary? And also, who is attending? Well, um, our guest list is quite spectacular. I don't know. Well, as David's already mentioned, we have Tron. Um, we have uh, John Sheridan himself, you know, Bruce Boxleitner. I don't know who I'm more excited to meet, actually. I've spoken to Bruce a, uh, a few times now. To actually meet in person, I'm not entirely sure who I'm more excited. <laughs> uh, David, what do, you, what do you think? Oh, can I take the fifth on that one? Yeah, well, yeah, plead the fifth. Yeah, I, yeah. Here's, here's the thing, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm talking from, from personal experience here. We've got guests coming, some of which, hold on, let me just think, hold on. There's only two that I've not met, okay? The rest I've met, I know, and they're wonderful. I'm, I'm excited to see them all, okay, because they are, they've all been brilliant. They've all been absolutely 100% behind us with, yep, we're coming. Um, if it's not, obviously, with the likes of Claudia, JG, Aaron, They've been before, okay? They, they came uh, and they, they're coming back again. John Carrigan, same again. Rainbow turned up at 1.5 and he came literally for a small one-day event with, I'm not sure how many we had in the end for 1.5, but he came and he had a blast and he, he didn't want to go and it was fantastic. And then... And of course, this is Rainbow's son, Franks, who indeed. was in Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. Yep. And uh, when we said to him just before we were announcing all our guests in the evening at uh, the party, we said, we want you to come back for next year. And he was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, actually, well, actually, it wasn't hell. It was, it was a different Well, no, work. I'm just, you know, I'm, 
I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite, for goodness sake, Will. Oh, get with the program. <laughs> he went, Sorry. do you know what? That would be really nice. I'd love to come back. How so, spliffingly marvellous that would be. That was his exact term, spliffingly <laughs> marvellous. I would jolly well love to come back to old Blighty and hang out with you dudes. That was it. That's exactly what he said. Uh, so for, you know, so they're all coming back. Um, and then we've got three new people. Well, no, four new people uh, in Bob Picardo, Jonathan Frakes, uh, David, uh, David Blue and obviously Bruce, who have yet to experience being at an FCD event. And I'm looking forward to them coming on board and feeling the way that everyone else does. Um, but who am I excited to see? I'm just excited to have them all in that room together. It's going to be a blast. I don't have a preference, but that's just me. I know there will be, you know, obviously a lot of people are, oh, my gosh, we've got Tron coming or we've got the Doctor coming. And I, I, it's funny, So with, with Bob, we've got coming. Uh, and then there's a lot of questions about, uh, by chance, will you be having the TARDIS there? Um, <laughs> because that's just a, a funny crossover. So uh, we'll see what we can do on that one if we can. But um, I'm just super excited. I actually, do you know what? I'm more excited in seeing all the public coming. Yeah. Um... That's it for me. I, I can't wait to see all the expressions on their faces and for them to walk away like they did at the last two events with that feeling that they had more people coming. It's a bigger crowd. So the word is spreading and we just need it to spread more, obviously. But I, I'm OK. That's just me wearing my FCD event hat for a minute. I'm excited to see the public. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I am. I'm as well. I mean, I'm always more about the public than I am the guests. But I mean, this one's pretty special um, in terms of our guest lineup. Is special. So, what sort of things are on the itinerary for um, the weekend? Um, it's going to be your usual convention craziness, really. To be honest, um, now obviously the Friday night um, element of the event is uh, for Phoenix Pass and above um, holders only. That one is basically going to be, you know, your opening. Um, you know, there'll be some food served. There'll be uh, uh, a group guest photo shoot, uh, official welcome, that kind of thing. Um, you know, day two and day three, pretty much similar, really. Talks, photo shoots, prop displays, you know, uh, um, traders, um, cosplay photo shoots. Um, pretty it. That's pretty much it. And then obviously on Saturday night, we got we have our uh, special party the uh mind party um the kyber crystal now uh, this bit came about because um over christmas didn't it this um the theme of the event and the charity if i recall yes. correctly that's, yeah um basically what had happened is we we had some ideas i mean what we were going to do with saturday night it was always going to be a party um obviously um, and now one of the things that we like at FCD events is that the parties, you know, get in free for those. But obviously with the untimely uh, death of um, Harry Fisher, um, who, are, who, as we all know, was a massive advocate for mental health uh, issues and raising awareness and charities that support them, um, you know, we decided, uh, based on a personal conversation that David and I had, uh, with Carrie, 
um, that we should do something um, to not only honor um, Harry um, and the icons that we lost last year and years gone by, um, but uh, we should also do it to raise specific funds for um, a mental health charity. Now, Mind is a charity that helps people when they are really, really struggling. So, um, they're based, they have like outlets pretty much all over the UK. They really do help people. And they're a struggling charity as well. They're, they're, they're not government funded. They have no funds, income coming from anywhere. They just survive um, on donations. So we thought it would be a really cool idea if we could try to raise on that one night a truckload of money, be able to hand over to them. If I've missed anything there, David, have I? Huh? No, I think I think that's that's it. Perfectly said. Uh, we we were looking for an idea. Uh, not happy with why we've done what we've done, but we're 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 honoured um, and glad that we could do it in her name and for mind. Yeah, I mean it's going to be um, a special. Special party, I think. And you're theming the party as well, aren't you? Yeah, it's icons. Um, the party's called the Kyber Crystal Party. So obviously, the, um, the geeks among us will know what the Ky- a Kyber, Crystal, a Kyber Crystal is. Um, um, we're gonna we named it the icons. We're gonna celebrate, you know, all those that we you know we lost a lot of um, you know stars uh, last year. So let's celebrate. Let, let's celebrate their lives and. Um, why we decided to call it the Icons Party. Uh, theme is Icons. Time to dress up in your best prints, best, or even uh, you know your your best checkoff. Um, really want to do that, you know? It, it'll be fun, I think. A lot of fun. Well, given how the last party went, I think it will be. Well, FCD parties are quite well known for being very fun and very good and. Considering where you're having this, I, I I imagine there will be a plethora of David Bowies. Um, I'd be surprised mm. if there wasn't at least one or two floating around, uh, because Bowie was obviously massive. Um, so yeah, I definitely think there'll be one or two uh, David Bowies going around. In fact, I do know for for sure one person that's going to do it. Yeah, I think I know <laughs> the same person. So, you know, I would not be surprised if a few more people didn't show up as Bowie. The ultra core. <laughs> are we allowed to dress up or are we not allowed to, Will? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can be asked, but you can. I mean, I say that now. I always say that, don't I? Every every time I always say, don't I, I can't be asked dressing up. And then, and you know, I'm, then, I, then I am. I'm... I'm you're something. there, you're doing I'm it. Doing, yeah. I'm doing is, something. Is this something to do with a gold dress that I've been asked oh, to ask you God, about? Do you know about that? <laughs> oh. who, who was that? Was that Nat? <laughs> Damn you, Facebook. Damn you, Walter. <laughs> Look. Can we, can we mind sweep everyone to forget that? I, I didn't even agree to that. Look. I, know, I, I, do have a, I do have a Men in Black neuralizer over here somewhere. Great. Please. You connect it <laughs> to uh, the Statue of Liberty, Eiffel Tower, and Big Ben. Look, you know, if the thing is, if you tell us about it on the show, I we promise not to tell anybody it. else. But if you oh, promise okay. not to, if you promise not to tell anybody, then then okay, we'll tell you. So it's just between us. Few just just between right us. Now. That's oh, okay. That's, that's all. Oh, okay. Well, as long as nobody else is listening, that's fine. <laughs> of course. Okay. <laughs> the deal is, 
Um, David and I will dress up in gold Star Trek cap- Star Trek captains uniforms from the original series or whatever we can find. Um, dresses, full scants, scants. Uh, if we can raise five hundred pounds each, we're going to be starting that very very soon. We're going to we'll launch in two Indiegogo campaigns next week or the week after. Um, one is going to be for the party, the mine, to raise some funds for the party, so that we've got a check with a nice big over to mind. And the other is going to be for David and I um, to raise a thousand pounds, put on dresses for the evening. We God do help that. you all. Yes. If if there's a thousand pound in that pot, we will put the dresses on. Not nine hundred and ninety nine. <laughs> thousand pounds, not one thousand and one pound. A thousand pounds. No, no. If we pass a thousand pound, we will put dresses on. They, see that? That's that's the. Uh... I would say, well, there goes my credibility. But then I just realised <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have some first. <laughs> but, but look, I wear here, dresses anyway. What the hell? But look, here's the thing. Um, we do have a lot of love out there, but I don't think we have a thousand pounds worth of love. Prove me uh, wrong, people. Actually, I would. Prove say otherwise based on the last year and a bit yeah well i see i you have more confidence than i well i i I, on this occasion i would like to not have the confidence to say i agree with you but i know what the people are like out there and they're pretty damn amazing so i got a feeling that we are going to uh probably smash a thousand pounds which that would be very very cool so anybody that wants to donate keep your eyes open for our indiegogo campaign um, I'm, I'm, I've already shaved my legs uh, regularly just to get used to it. Or... Well, 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 here's a newsflash. I am not shaving my legs. I, I am not waxing my balls. So you're going to have to put up with whatever is seen on that night and deal. So. Oh, well, I, look, Charles I, I like what says Charles, in chat. I was going to say, I like what Charles is just saying. I'm looking forward to the Facebook pictures forever. It's yeah. Like, oh, so there are other people listening. Oh, no. Oh, did I forget to pause it? Oops. Oh, whoops. Bastard. <laughs> oh, no. What are we going to do? Oh. oh, well. Okay. All right. Here's a question for you guys because I'm stupid. Where are you seeing this chat? Uh, if you go onto the Twitch page, they've got their communication chats on the side. Oh, okay. There you go. Go, go to Thank Twitch. You. Thank you. I am stupid. You've got a computer, haven't you? Yeah, but I'll use my iPad. I'm, I'm not. I'm using my iPad for that. Yeah, he's using Crapple just to. Grapple. <laughs> Is it? Would it be rude to insult the host while he's um, doing his thing? Because uh... no, everybody else does. Oh, okay. <laughs> Has your son decided what he's going to go dressed up as yet, or is it a surprise? Well, he's only got the one costume, which is the um, uniform that he had on last year. So I think that still fits him. So, what did he come as last year? What was he? He wasn't. Um, he'd got the um, commander's uniform. It was sort of right. like a onesie um, thing. Yes, um, I remember. I remember. Do remember? Yep. I think I got. I don't. Uh, I think we got a picture with the three, the three of us together somewhere. So yes. So, but yeah, he absolutely um, loved it last year, and he's looking forward to going back. Sort of I know he was up very, when I told him. <laughs> he was very attentive, uh, and he, I remember he came because he's very polite. Your son, and he went, "Excuse me." <laughs> that got me immediately like did a young child just say excuse me instead of oi you so <laughs> clearly been brought up properly notice the, the use of the word properly was usefully by the way and uh, no, he was very he was very sweet and he said I've had a I, he said thank you I've had a really nice time 
And it was just lovely to hear that. It was great. And then I gave him fifty pounds. Okay, um, <laughs> who is right, I want to know who is Charles the Forge? Come on, fess up. Well, we must know him because he's been there. He's been or with her. us. So... Oh yeah, someone, that's true. Some, someone's watching. Come on, Charles the Forge, or whatever your name is. What's your real name? Fess yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Will's going back through all the chat again. <gasps> okay, it's my mum. she's just checking because she said that i'm meant to be in bed by one (laughs) well that went well what what place in the world at one o'clock i've got to be in bed but never mind sorry mum so uh yeah i think um uh we're gonna have to get these dresses made well as soon as the links are out for the campaigns we'll of course share it on the show and include it in the show notes oh must you (laughs) of course (laughs) Thank they've, you. Got it in, they've got it in for us, Will. <laughs> yes, thank you. It wasn't our idea either, was it? It was one of the public's idea. Was it Nat's? Was it her idea? I don't. It was someone's stupid idea, and someone <laughs> like, someone else latched onto it, and um, here we are. Do you know what? You know, and it was, it was actually Joe, my 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 better half, believe it or not, that said, "Well, if they're going to raise a shitload of money for charity, then you've got to do it." And I was like, "Oh, what?" Oh. <laughs> You know Thank what? You. I don't mind. It's for charity. I have no issue. The more money for charity, the better. Absolutely. Definitely. That's what yep. it's all about. I mean, you know, again, I don't want to be throwing it down people's throats about charity because we all hear it. We all see it every day. And then we look at where we are in our own lives at home. But we're at an event. And if we can do something where we've got a group of wonderful people in the audience. I mean, look, with what we had last year with our guests, JG and Claudia and Aaron, and then they even contributed to our charities, didn't they? I mean, that's just unheard of. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. So for people who are interested in attending, um, where is it they can go to get more information and to get tickets? Well, we're all over Facebook. Uh, FCD Events is our official page. Um, We have a fan page. All all kinds of stuff going on. And when we have our, sorry, we've cut out there, I think, uh, then we've got our website as well, which is obviously www.fcdevents.com. Yep. There's links to our uh, ticket handlers, uh, Taylor, who, where you can buy all your tickets from. Um, I don't yeah. know if this means anything or anything, but Charles LaForge said in chat, it will be exciting to see you in a dress. Exciting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Egg. Egg. Sighting. Okay. That might be a Maybe clue. Maybe a hint for whoever it, who, who it is. Egg sighting. Okay, Charlie LaForge. Come on. Fess up. <laughs> that's going to bug you all night long now, isn't it? <laughs> I promise if I have to do something. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a message there, and I'm trying to think. Egg sighting. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's not the, it's not the sighting part. It's the, no, it's egg, the egg part. Egg. <laughs> egg. <laughs> Got to mean something, obviously. That Jeff part. The, the Jeff. Jeff Pass. Two AM and brain burn. <laughs> can't think who. I can't think who. What we've uh, we've got also planned shortly. We're going to start rolling out um, starting next week. In regards to the photographs that people can book their sessions with the guests, but we go- we're not going to do them all in one go because that would just be like a, a mass panic. So we're going <laughs> to roll them out gradually, aren't we, Will? Yeah, we're going to do. Uh... Two at a time, I think. Uh, two or three at a time. 
so that uh, over over the, the course of the weeks leading up to the event, so to give people the best possible chance to be able to buy their uh, photo shoots and autographs in advance. So, yeah. We've got a, a good team on the case with the we photographs. Do. They're ah, terrific. It's Rylett, Charlie Rylett. Ah, yeah. it's Char- do you know, I've been talking to him earlier. You and the eggs, he, got, he bought Easter eggs for the guests, so that's what, ah, that's what it was. Ah, right. That's what it was. That I, I, Charlie, I've got a confession to make. They never made it to the guests because they never got out of the, uh, um, <laughs> the, the green room. Everybody ate them. Really sorry. No, they did. No, everybody made it. I'm sorry, I'm just teasing you there. Yeah, they did. When they were in the green room, we gave them to them. So yeah, and they I think JG them. had someone else's as well. He snabbed it or something. He did because he said he didn't want to pay extra luggage charge. Mm. So. <laughs> we gave him an Easter egg. Yeah. So he ate his Easter eggs early. So <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to roll out the uh, the the ticket sales, uh, ticket sales, the photo shoots and um, uh, autographs. Um, Sales uh, starting the end of the month, um, I think it will be. Yeah, just to develop. help you guys all get organised with. Uh, It'll help you your know, budget. Exactly, you know. that's the thing. You no, know, there's nothing worse than events putting up all of their photo shoots and all their autographs all at the same time, and then you're forced to get the ones that you want, and then hope that you've got enough cash on a day um, to get the rest of the rest of the ones that you want. This way, we hope that you, it gives you the best opportunity to get everyone. So, oh. Uh, which we th- which we think is a good idea. Whether it actually works or not, uh, we don't know yet. But we'll we'll see. So, is there any other information you'd like to give about Out of the Ashes two point zero? Um, yeah, please buy tickets. Please come along. <laughs> <laughs> please, please buy have... tickets, but buy them. Don't leave it to the very very last minute. Oh, I've don't seen... do that. Look, oh. we know there's we know there's a lot of people out there questioning whether Jonathan Frakes is going to turn up or not. We, you know, look. I'll tell you this now. His hotel room is booked. His flight is booked. His car is booked. Everything that needs to get the man to the event is booked and paid for. So, and from the information that we're we're getting directly from Jonathan himself is, I'm going to be there. There's nothing that's going to, there's nothing that I can see right now as of two two or three days ago that is going to prevent me from being um, in England for FCD out of the ashes 2.0 so you know but with or without Franks this event is going to be absolutely amazing but don't wait until the last minute uh, to get your tickets because you're going to end up you're only going to end up chances you could end up actually missing out entirely are very real because you know sooner or later people are going to realize okay this event is real Everything's paid for now. The venue's paid for. Everybody's flight's booked. Everyone's flight is now booked and paid for. Hotel's paid for. Um, in fact, I think one of the only things that we actually have to do is order the lunch sandwiches. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's silly things like that that we've got left to do now. Excellent. Yes, and I did. I saw. I did forget that there isn't a there is a payment plan for the most expensive passes if people want to take up that advantage. Thank you, Charles, um, for reminding me. Um, yeah, so, you know, with or without Jonathan Frakes, it's going to be amazing. So don't wait, because sooner or later, everybody's going to want to buy the tickets all at the same time. And if we sell out of advanced tickets, only a limited amount of people are going to be able to get in on the day uh, or over the course of the weekend. So, you know. Well, I intend to be getting my tickets on payday next Friday. So 
We hope that a lot of other people will follow you as well. Uh, yeah, I'm look, really looking forward to the event. So um, we've actually made it. Uh, it's the start of our holiday. So we've got because um, it's the kids' holiday and the schools around here. So um, oh right, we're heading right, up. Yeah. So we're heading up north afterwards to go see family. So um, right. heading up to sort of Liverpool Way and then up to Scotland. Oh wow! Uh, going home to see my grandparents and then back down um, the weekend after. So sort of making a big thing of it. So yes, I'll be dragging my wife along to a first uh, science fiction convention. Road trip. <laughs> I tell you what, don't mention this to JG what your plans are. He'll probably ask you to uh, if he can join you on his trip on your trip to Scotland. You never know. More than welcome. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, his roots are Scottish. Ah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's got a big thing for the kilt at the moment as well. Very much so. Which I have absolutely no doubt will be making his journey to point uh, oh as well. So. I, I yeah, he, he, he seems he very comfortable to, to wear it. Yep. Yeah, he definitely he's likes got to it. show it off. Yep, definitely. He's, uh, he's got his land kilt, so uh, he will. <laughs> Uh, Charles LaForge says in the chat, to be honest, as a first convention, you can't get a more welcoming crew. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for that. That's that's very appreciative. Very appreciative. And I can vouch for that. So it wasn't my first convention, although it's my first small convention I went to. Um, It was my son's. And yeah, he, he just felt so at home there and just loved every moment of it, sort of. So many other people there were just so friendly that, yeah, he was up dancing <clears throat> literally all night long, just talking to people. <laughs> guys, I guys, remember, please, I remember him on the dance floor. Guys, please, you know, look, we've only got so much money for these bribes. Come on, you know, all these nice things that you're saying. It's actually costing us a fucking fortune here. <laughs> <laughs> I've given him my credit card details, don't worry. Oh, right, okay. Thank we're God for the credit card. <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's the gold, so we're, we're, we're fine. Right. Um, okay. Well, I, t- I tell you one thing. If if people are listening that are dubious about going to events, and a lot of people we have met a- a- amongst uh, other places over the years that are either frightened, scared, or shy, or what have you, um, they come to our events, and within a very short span of time at the event, they suddenly realise, wow. I am so relaxed. I I feel so comfortable here. Everyone is so nice, and it, it really is a welcoming, wonderful environment. Not just saying it. And the thing is, I've got we've got Charles online right now, so he will vouch. We've got you, Steve. You've been there, so you will vouch. You, so I, I can't make this up. You were there. We have people. I don't mention names. Just literally, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm not doing another event. I'm sick of being treated like this, not by the event organizers, but by other attendees and, and things that happen. And they come to our event and it literally come in with their shields up, red alert. But before you know it, they're so relaxed and that's what we want. We've created a lovely, warm, friendly, safe environment. And we're very aware of people that we don't want coming to the event that we see or hear about from other events and other event organizers. So it really is, if you're not sure and you've never been to an event and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't know, talk to people about our event that have attended. Come on our Facebook page and chat to others and don't take my word for it or Will's. 
because obviously it's our event, so why should we say anything other than wonderful things? But we do mean it. But talk to the public, and they'll give you the nitty-gritty, and they'll tell you, we really do look after you. And that's the beauty of it. We look after you. We have our team that look after you. But by depot, or if that's the right word for it, everyone that attends, they all have that same attitude, and they look after you. It's almost like it's just one big team, one big family, and that's what we are. We are the FCD family in one way or another. Whether we are close to you or not, attitude is something quite special. And as I say, Charles, if you disagree and Steve, please do say so. But I'm hoping that you experienced it in one way or another. Well, Charles says in chat, never once did I feel herded or bled for cash. And more importantly, we felt safe and non-judged not being pro convention attendee that's wonderful and thank you for that and 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 that's that's proof that's that's exactly what we want that's what we want from everybody i you know we've had people that's it never going again but but then and of course if you events. just want to go and just have a laugh you just can't beat will drunk um at the party it's he doesn't drink <laughs> i know <laughs> tea or coffee no but alcohol <laughs> the, the problem is okay Everybody wants to buy me drinks. It's rude to say no. It's, in, it's, in, it's impolite. So you, and then you have to drink them because if you don't, someone buys you a drink and you don't drink it, that's even worse than saying, no, I don't want that drink. So, you know. But our events are very friendly, you know. And one thing that we are acutely aware of is that 2.0 is going to be a completely different animal. Um, it's, it is going to be bigger. There are going to be more people there. There are going to be queues and there are going to be um, things that our normal SCD attendees um, are not going to be used to. Um, but, you know, we are really going to do everything that we can to make sure that the feel of the event, the love of the event, and that feeling, the safety that people feel, um, the is not lost just because there are a few extra people there um you know and as you know david and i will always be very visible we will always be around now gold dresses in our gold dresses <laughs> yeah yeah oh yoy, um, yoy. <laughs> but yeah you know and uh please please feel free that if you are near the bar area uh, <laughs> <laughs> please buy him a pint or six yeah, or something, yeah. Uh, well, it was mentioned in chat earlier. He's get through all this. <laughs> yeah, exa see, exactly. It's Red Bull during the day um, and, and, and large quantities of alcoholic beverages in the evening. Well, it was mentioned earlier on in the chat um, that the party isn't actually free because it's mandatory to buy Will a drink before you get in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's the unofficial rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the unofficial entrance fee. The unofficial entrance fee. Yeah, sorry. Um, prob what, is, probably. It, is it is it is it a keg per person or per two people? A keg of beer. Well, I'm not greedy, so you. Yeah. Okay. Fair well, one 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 per between two is okay. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> Do they have to provide the uh, the pipe or uh, the tube, or you'll you'll bring your own? No, no. Well, I like to bring my own because you know, okay. I'm a germaphobe. You know. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant well thank you both for joining us um it's been great chatting to you both it's been lovely being on the show and thank you very very much for inviting us on it's been a real pleasure thank you not a problem well 
We're about to talk about gaming news, another Star Trek news, so if you want to stick around, you're more than welcome. Well, um, as much as I would love to stay and sit and listen to things that I have absolutely no interest in, uh, I, you know, <laughs> no, you guys, I would love to stay and chat with you guys, but I do have to go to work in a couple of hours, so I'm probably going to sign off. Not a problem at all. Well, thanks again for joining us. Thank you very um, much for having us, and it was, it was great talking you to you. Yes, you will. Okay, thank you. Thank you all very much. Good night. Take thanks, care. guys. Thanks again. Good night. Thank you. Bye. So that was David Lindbergh and Will Ross from FCD Events, who were talking about Out of Ashes 2.0. That will be held at the International Centre in Telford in the UK from March 31st to April 2nd this year, 2017. So um, please head over to fcdevents.com if you'd like to know more and to get your tickets. And you can, of course, find them on Facebook and Twitter. So now it's time to get into our gaming news. So we will start with Star Trek Online. Stone news. I've got oh, them. boy. I've got our events calendar, which, as always, is tries to be kind of up to date. Uh, we've got an Infinity Lockbox promotion running uh, this week until the 26th, when the new season should drop. We've also got a bonus experience weekend. And on console, a bonus marks month is still running. And this weekend, there's an R&D weekend. Next weekend is a Tholian Red Alert. And that's it for our always up-to-date calendar. <laughs> well, as much as it can be. I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things that has been announced is a new research school for the R&D. And this one is Kitsa Modules. Another now, thing to get to level 15 and 20. Indeed. Well, it keeps people coming back, um, even if it's just to fire off the daily thing. So, um, the sort of gameplay that you get in, well, most games. They want you to try and at least get in, even if it's just briefly, because there'll always be a lot of people who stick around to do more. So, same sort of thing that we've had in the other schools. And you can get all the unlocks, and you can also get... Um, traits and titles so um so yeah um although i haven't seen anything that's been introduced regarding changing modifiers on anything still for r and d um i know we talked what was it two three weeks ago about things appearing on tribble that allowed you to do that um but that seems to have been removed from what i understand so i guess it wasn't quite ready um, so whether or not that will be coming for season 12, we don't know yet. But there is still time for any announcements like that to be given. I'm not entirely sure of what happened, but I'd seen a few notes on the forums that there'd been some form of like a couple of days of special testing on some things where something was quickly rolled out for people to test out during those few days. And then it was taken away again. But I, I haven't heard anything more about that. It's just been a couple of murmurs on the forums. Uh, uh, Honestly, I don't know. From from what I was hearing, the um, 
the the ability to re-roll um, stuff was up on triple for like a couple of hours and then just disappeared again. Oh, I thought it was a couple of days from what I'd been told. I, I don't know. It's you know what I heard was a couple of hours and it's just up and down. It's like, look, here's a bunch of stuff for season twelve that we want you to test. Oops, wait, that wasn't supposed to be in there. No, I I heard it was a proper sanctioned thing because it was. Ambassador Keol, the community manager who was discussing it on the forums, but I didn't see it until a few days after it happened. He mentioned yeah. that people who participated were getting rewards for doing so. Yeah, no, they had asked people to test it out. Um, and yeah, but it was only there for a short time. So um, yeah, it'll be um interesting to um see what the end result is and how close it was to what was seen previously is i guess they obviously got enough feedback that they actually decided to pull it to do some extra work on it so um but if it's not quite ready then we could maybe see this being released as a 0.5 feature maybe um don't know, but I guess we will find out. Um, a point five feature on. three months from now, possibly. Well, the point fives are usually the more sort of focused on the quality of life changes. Now, we have also been told through another blog that we're getting another reputation system. So this okay, one. Wait a minute! I have to ask before we go any further. When when you read the blog title. Did anybody else think, oh my god, not another global initiative event? No. But when I loaded it up, the first thing I saw, and I just thought, Ant-Man. Because the the, the new reputation is called the Lucari Restoration Initiative. Now, do you understand why I went, oh my god, not not another restoration event? Yeah, I can understand why. But no, I didn't think about that at all. That so. was the first thing that crossed my mind. It never even clicked in my head that this was supposed to be a reputation and until I started opening until I opened the blog and started looking at I'm like, this is reputation stuff. Why is it in a restoration event? Oh, it's a reputation. <laughs> no, that was the first thing I picked up on. I sort of ignored the restoration initiative for some reason. I just saw Lakari reputation. And then looked at the picture and thought Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, but does uh, anybody else look at that picture and think Ant-Man? That's what I said in our chat. I, said oh, I knew somebody else had. I couldn't remember who else did, because I read so many chats that um, it's just like, yeah, I thought that. It's like, do you see this picture and it's very insectoid, especially with that arm tech the Lakari have? It goes yeah. around the back of the head and it makes it look like that helmet's got an antenna and it's like... Yeah, that totally looks like Ant-Man kind of inspired thing. (laughs) Alex says in chat, Ant-Man? Yeah, I see that. If he and Darth Vader had a child, it might look like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought Breen painted a different colour. Yeah, but that's the thing. Breen have like these dog nose things on their helmets. You know, it's got that whole maw snoot thing. Hmm. Muzzles. In the book, they give reasons why that is, which I actually thought was good because they have it that um, the Breen Confederacy is actually their own sort of federation of 
species, but they make it that you don't know who is who and everything else. Yes, um, a friend of mine had read those books and commented that some of the brain guys actually did need these suits, whereas other ones just wore them just to kind of to kind of fuck with people, really, so they didn't know yeah. who they were fighting against. Well, see, that's that was, and I, I I both love and hate bringing this up at the same time. That was the argument that was made in that that fan film prelude was that the Klingons were complaining, you know, when you're fighting a certain species, you know how those species fight, but with the Federation, it could be anybody. Now, one of the things when it came to the Breen, because of course, as people know, I've been doing my Star Trek rewatch, is I was sure when I read that novel was, I'm sure that somebody mentioned about seeing um, the Breen, and of course, then I thought, well, I'm sure that, Kira would have known what it was because she, of course, took a Breen uniform, so would have had to have taken it off them. So I suddenly thought the novel doesn't quite fit into Trek lore, but as we know, um, it's not quite canon um, what we see in the books. But I thought their explanation was actually very good, and it's a shame that sort of thing wasn't actually in the TV series. But of course, we die again <laughs> so yeah we have of course the new reputation system so this is based on proto matter um, so we've got to collect mini samples of this basically um, was it micro containers because uh, they don't want to keep too much of it in one place because of um, how I think it's unstable it is isn't it yes but 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 the Lucari can stabilize it. It's totally easy to stabilize protomatter. Come on, like, are you a yeah. six-year-old that doesn't know these things? But I think part of the sort of story behind us collecting it is we're collecting it and we're putting it in small containers for, to them to sort out, possibly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's something for us to collect. And, of course, we've got new deflectors, engines, shields, um, weapons. The weapon, the weapon type this time is actually Polaron again. The Polar Rainbow. Is it rainbow? I thought it was just purple. Yeah, but you could have a, uh, a rainbow build with lots of different types of Polarons now. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I see where you're going. No, I thought when you meant rainbow... Yeah, because there's, we... like there's like a yellow Polaron now, isn't there? <laughs> From somewhere? Yes, it's the, the Delta one. Delta <laughs> was it Polaron or was it Antiproton? There was one mm-mm, which literally was the, rainbow the colors. One, the Delta one, well, no, the 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 rainbow beams that you're thinking of specifically are the temporal ones because Chronoton. Right. And those I, are knew, I knew there was one of them. I couldn't remember which one. The Polarons we've had so far have been the the um, hybrid variants that we've had from the lockboxes. So that's um. The the Polaron disruptors or the polarized disruptors and the phased Polarons. We've had the uh, Polaron, the uh, protonic Polaron from the Dyson one, and the Delta Polarons. And now we're getting a, a third reputation Polaron. Alex has said in chat, no, no, there's in Kathy, keep it in those small containers because it's so dangerous. And we take those containers and give them to the Lakari. Or something along those lines. Okay, thank you very much. 
yeah, I'd only briefly read over the blogs. Um, so, um, well, do you, yeah. you realize why they're such small containers? Because they can only collect so little of it at a time with what they're doing to actually make it. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Because it's all to do with a singularity, wasn't it, that we had in the blogs from last week to do with the um, mm-hmm. PVE queues. Which brings up one of the immediate plot holes that I'm going to be looking for the answer to when this story comes out. Stu already knows what I'm talking about, because he's the one who first went, hey, that's a plot hole. What the whole, uh, how did we not notice all this stuff going on? With all those fancy <laughs> sensors and all this technology we've got, and we were able to sort of progressively scan and map several areas of the gamma quadrant before anybody even stumbled across a wormhole. Uh, map and scan it so much that when a runabout slipped through it accidentally, they knew where they were. Uh, but we didn't like open the window in our back garden and have a look out there. I mean, you, no, I like I like what you said. <laughs> I like what you said the, uh, in our chat, Bess. This is like, it's like, we have all of these sensors and stuff. We've detected a 1% difference in the amount of milk in such and such system. Picard, go investigate. It might, it might not be anything, but who knows? And here we are missing like this big, huge, supermassive black hole with a whole bunch of stations around it where the Zenkethi are gathering stuff. It's like... All of these races that are xenophobes and have been like kind of episode big bad people are on the edge of Federation space and nobody's been pointing their sensory scanning arrays that direction to go, hey, hey, you know, um, they're doing some weird stuff. So you might want to take a look at this. And because um, this, you know, this this stuff has to have been going on for months, maybe even years, and nobody was paying attention to this? Well, I wonder. And then there's a matter of that sensory telescopic array which appeared in the TNG episodes The Nth Degree and Parallels, which was parked pretty much right on the border of Cardassian and Sincathi space. What the was Argus it? Like, switched array. off. The Argus Array. You know what's interesting is that there's there's a there's actually there's actually a tie-in with Voyager. The little satellites that they're hopping a signal from, uh, in Voyager, they're that that they're getting a message back and forth from the Beta Quadrant. Oh, uh, you're talking about the Herogen ones, right? The Herogen Comms Array goes all the way through the Beta Quadrant to the Argus Array. That, well, the that was that we... was the Voyager link. Yeah, the thing is, we don't know how much of any of that still exists today in the Stowe timeline. And the thing is, space is big. So they point things where they think something might be, but it's hard to catch everything. Back to what you just said there, the array network still exists. There's a mission during the Delta Rising arc where you use it to... You speak to Quinn through it. Yeah, but... Of course, after that, you then have the Iconian War, so they could have easily destroyed it along with a load of other stuff. So all I'm saying is we don't know that it still exists. So what you're saying is they came along and they destroyed the satellites, but they didn't destroy us. Well, no. If Say the Iconians, they see we're getting intel one way, they take it out, 
we're then blind in a particular area. We don't know if they've attacked again. You, whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, 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 one, you're assuming that the Iconians are halfway intelligent when you say that. That's not how the Iconians operated. The, the way the Iconians operated during all that crap was, oh, you have your little space stations out there scanning for stuff. Okay, that's cool. We're going to show up at your home world. Screw this other stuff. Because that's literally what happened. They didn't. We didn't have these things about them going in. We had after reports of them taking out like star bases and hull fleets and all that kind of stuff after the fact. But for the whole time we're in this war, where are the? Where are they showing up? At the home worlds. The first one is New Romulus, yeah. and it's almost completely obliterated and burned to the ground. The next is here we are. Uh, defending Kronos again. And the big end of the mission is defending Earth. What I'm thinking more of is when um, the Arconians through other races got the Undine involved, they were the ones that would attack somewhere to as a sort of blindside and to go and attack. So as you said, they attacked ESD, but their main target was Kronos. So to do something like take out sensor arrays and things like that is something that um, the Undine would have done. I, I don't necessarily think so. Because, because the, 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 it's, not, it's not that the Undine aren't smart, it's that the Undine are singularly minded. The weak shall perish. They didn't... They, they're not... I'm sorry, but all the villains we've had to fight in Star Trek Online have not shown any sort of any any sort of intelligence about trying to take down comms networks and all that kind of stuff. They've not. It's been go to target, obliterate it. Oops, Federation, Klingon, Romulan Savior shows up. We're dead. Yeah, that just because we don't see it, because we see it from our captain's perspective. They may have done these things, but you're, you're not always told everything. In a war, you know what your orders are. People above you know what else is happening. So, does again, it means that we don't know that it hasn't happened and that it doesn't exist anymore. So that could be why we don't see it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but see, even then, you have to remember, in in DS9 and TNG, there was this, uh, there was always a side back and forth between what was what they were immediately doing and stuff that was going on in the rest of the federation and that rest of the federation stuff was usually aside in like just passing conversation we never see any of that between what we're doing in game ever we we're, we're always go to the mission go to go do this go do that oh here's the mission here's your exploration here's your destruction here's your next war here's your discovery with war shoved into the middle of it we never see that oh by the way this thing kind of happened over here and we're discussing the implications of that thing having happened and the only time we ever see any sort of that kind of interaction is when it comes to an rp blog where they're discussing something that is almost directly connected to this mission that we're supposed to be doing or this arc that is supposed to be connected to it well i still think that could have happened but hey but it's possible but we'll never know because nobody's ever going to say anything midnight shadow has destroyed the comms network (laughs) 
Yeah, Vandal, yeah. I always knew he was Section 31. The secret. So, going back to the kits, anyway. Um, when it comes to the kit modules, um, I like the little pictures of the drones. Um, it reminded me of that um, Steven Spielberg film um, with the little flying robots and it's bugging me now. not included. That's the one. Especially the one on the right-hand side. Uh, I saw that and just thought of that film, but it, it was driving me crazy at lunchtime because <laughs> I saw that and it's just like, oh, what is that film called? But then somebody came over to ask me questions and needed help. So I went to do that and completely forgot about it till now. And it's just like, ah, oh, what is that film? It's just like, You're yeah. welcome. That is a great <laughs> film. Love that film. But yeah, I just thought of that film so as soon as I saw that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I do, I do like the look of those drones, especially the right-hand one. I, th- I think it might actually be the same one. Um, I think that's just the rear view of it. So, um, but yeah, it just looks like a mini face. <laughs> so, in some ways, the face almost looks like um, a Cyberman. Yes, it does. <laughs> What's well, a mini version of the Lucari helmet too? Oh yeah. So um so yeah. You will be upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, we will be getting a new R and D school and a new rep system. And as the, well. the new the new reputation has a uh for for those interested, the tier five ability is actually a ground ability. The last I, I want to say the last two reputations have had space abilities. So yeah, I, I, I um, could be wrong. That, no, most of them have had a mixture of both. Um, I think because pilot had entirely space. I think the rest are half space, half um, ground. Those and are specializations. You... This is a reputation. Of course it is. Duh. <laughs> arf, arf, arf. Ow! Okay. <laughs> just, uh... Just, just gonna casually redact that statement and move on like a good federation. Alright, whoever just, edits uh... this show can delete that. <laughs> just a quick note on the subject of upgrades. Uh... At the moment, kit modules and kit, uh, what do you call them? Case things. Um, boxes. I I don't know what they're called. Uh, the frames. boxes? Kit frames and kit modules can be upgraded with the ground tech upgrade kits. But following the update, you'll need a kit, kit upgrade kit. I don't know if the wording of that's correct. Yeah, but, uh, wow. If you want <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> Sounds like something out of Knight Rider. We need a kit upgrade kit. <laughs> but if you want to upgrade your favorite kit, now's the time to do it, or you'll need to go through. Especially since there's the... a plentiful amount of ground gear upgrades. Yeah, if you've got the ground upgrades and you want to make sure your kit is upgraded now, then yeah, do it now. Um, I guess you just need to make sure you've got the dilithium. Um, Do it now so you can re-roll it later. So um, it'll be an awful lot easier for you if you have it. If you don't have it and you haven't gone through the R&D ground school yet, then it makes no difference. So, moving on. K13 has another special unlock. 
This one is called Painful Omens. Um, actually, just having a look at the picture. What? No, 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 no. What? No. Painful Omens was the the episode in which we found K-13. Who the hell was writing these blogs? <laughs> oh, no, it's just me. I Because sorting out so many things, I hadn't had a chance to read it, and I saw in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm doing Project poorly today. second floor, I guess. Thank Basically, you. you can go upstairs for 200,000 dilithium. <laughs> and people claim this isn't a dilithium sink. <laughs> so, so yeah, second floor access. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, this is the seventh unlock, and that will be running from January 19th to February 2nd. So, uh, and of course, once all the special projects have run once, then all of them will be available. So don't worry too much if you can't get it slotted just yet. There will be time to do it later. They'll, they'll be on a they'll be on a two uh, two week cycle rotation, just like every other one. Yep. So, so yeah, that's called second floor access and not painful moments. So we having the infinity box return. Yay! Started yesterday. Indeed, and with it, they have also updated the box with. Um, items that weren't previously in it. Um, I think they have removed some Tier 5 ships and put some Tier 6 versions in. Yes, they removed the Tier 5 versions of the two Alachi ships, the Sigalf and the Monbosch, and have replaced them with the console Tier 6 versions. Cool. So, um, Interestingly enough, they have also placed the contents of the Kelvin Timeline box into the Infinity box. So, yeah, there's that. Excellent. I do like the Infinity Lock box. I think they're good. So, the only problem is, is so many ships, I really need to sort out making a list of everything that I've got because um, I had a problem where I accidentally selected a ship I already ended up having. It's like, no! So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm not going to unlock anything else until after I make another spreadsheet. <laughs> I do like my spreadsheet. So, yeah, for those who are interested, they did partially release the stats for these two ships because of their introduction to the PC version. And uh, with this, I, I took a look, and the, tier, uh, the, the Mastery 5 trait for the... The, the new Seagulls, the, the error... I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that word, because just... I can't. But the, uh, the mastery trait is called Crescent Wave Discharge, and uh, it says, while this trait is slotted, activating beam overload or any pilot ability generates a crescent wave counter for two minutes. After obtaining three counters, you will fire a devastating crescent wave blast at your target, dealing extreme disruptor damage and reducing their damage resistance. This is this is kind of like this is kind of like a souped-up version of the console, which releases the big huge crescent wave, but as a starship trait. And yeah, for those the of photo you, of it doing that is awesome. 
Right. And for those of you who don't remember, or you may not know, the thing about Alachi disruptor weapons is that they have, uh, the Alachi disruptor weapons have a, um, they do, uh, when they, when they crit, when they crit, instead of, I think it's instead of doing the reduction, the damage resistance reduction, like normal disruptors, they do 100% shield bleed through and 50% armor bleed through. That is straight up hull damage. That's So when they crit, they do 50% of their damage is straight up hull damage. Think yes. about that. Think about that on a ship that is... Think about that on the 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 scimitar, the Romulan scimitar, fit nothing but with Alachi weapons. Think about that. Think about how devastating that can be if they all crit off at once. That's not an alpha strike. That's pre-fire. People complain about all that. That people people complain about that all the time in first-person shooters. You were firing around the corner. You pre-fire. So um. Yeah, looks interesting. Um, probably should look into those Alachi weapons. Um. <laughs> you, you section thirty were section thirty one scum. <laughs> but yeah, I've got anti protons uh, maxed out, um, which I tend to use on most things. But yeah, I haven't got the time and the dilithium to upgrade other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I, things I, to do, I have I have to agree, Stu. I really do like the look, the 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 tier six look of the Sagulf. Now, I used to call it the flying coffin because that's what it used to look like. Now, <laughs> now, oh my god, that thing is so menacing looking. Well, we are also getting a new featured episode, and we've been given the title of it. It's of signs and portents. So, um, it. Tells us a little bit about what it might be about. Of course, proto matter, the Lakari find it a sort of limitless power source, and for others in the Alliance, it is a weapon of mass destruction. So basically, it's been described as it will take players on a dangerous journey of discovery. This mission will be available to all players at level 10 and above. And that level will, of course, go up after it's no longer featured. So that'll probably be around the sort of 60 mark, I would expect. So, um, so yeah, that will also be released with Season 12. Now, we had a new roleplay blog um, that was titled as A Gathering of Wills. So I had a quick skim of this uh, during lunch um so what did you guys think of the um the blog this time um it was again a bit more on the klingon side um although the fact that someone suggested keeping someone waiting until a time to sort of be sort of like told is disrespectful and dishonorable for that i just thought mm. <laughs> bit of a stretch honestly I, I think what they were trying to do with that was to was was to kind of to kind of put it in our minds that that Rodek was someone who took no shit yeah oh no I could see that but I just thought I'm sure 
they could have thought of maybe something else that was a bit dishonourable rather than just saying, shall I keep them waiting until the proper time for the meeting? Again, this is a guy who's not going to take any shit. I mean, you're he's going to be as 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 quick to judge as he as he is to pass judgment. Yeah. I mean, you know, he says he says this is, you know, the whole point of that interaction is to say, look, they're here, let's get it over with. And by the way, because you you even brought up the fact that that we should keep him waiting and me know that that person is here and not have that out of the way, you need to go do some security drills. Because that's not efficient, and that's not getting shit done. That is making people wait. But yeah, I thought it was a nice little blog. Um, a little bit more on Rodek. Um, but yeah, it shows a bit more as well on um, the Lakari that... Because we've sort of talked about who the Lakari are and about why we're involved in helping them. So they obviously are in some cases, quite sort of tactical and things like that. They're not just useless, of course, although they didn't use space travel. They have done things with space travel in the past and things like that. So, um, yeah. I think, it's, I think this blog highlights more uh, of, of, and this might be a plot hole. It might not be. I, I just recently got done watching that episode of Deep Space Nine, but I would have to go back to it. This, to me, kind of exposes the the uh, oh look, these this is your past. These are made up memories of your past uh, from the whole. Let's uh, let's rename this guy Rodek and give him a new life because this whole conversation is talking about I fought the Zenkethi. Did you? Because if you did, I don't think you would remember that. And if you had remembered that, that means either the process didn't work in which Bashir wiped your mind, or that you're kind of only remembering what other people told you you did in that fight. Yeah, or, yeah, they went away and fought some little skirmishes on their own. Because remember, there's been quite a bit of time between sort of then and now. There's, yeah, there, no, I, I, I understand. There's been there's been forty something years in between. Well, forty one, forty two years in between the last time we actually saw anything from the TNG films to now. And in that time, there's an entire lore thing called the Path to Twenty Four O Nine. Zinkethi aren't mentioned in it. I'm just wondering that when they brought Michael Dorn in to do. The step between stars was that the mission mm -hmm. uh, that they got him to appear a couple of times in the earlier missions for the KDF. So, do you think they might do a similar thing with Tony Todd? Have him show up somewhere towards the start of your Klingon experience? As I don't know, he he might show up in the background somewhere saying. I'm going off to bomb the Zen Cathy for lols. But that's not honourable. I'm, I'm sorry, that's... If he says that, that makes him a dishonourable Klingon. Well, I don't know, maybe the Zen Cathy no, rock up in Klingon no, space make, and... Make no mistake, make no mistake. When, when, when Klingons commit to go to war, or to conquer a people, yeah, they will, they will, they will 
wholly get behind that effort. But the honorable thing is not for one dude to go, oh, I'm going to go do a thing for the lulls, because lulls, and then start a war because of it. That's stupid. That's dishonorable. Well, maybe there might be a little bit more story writing involved than for lulls, but this is just something that I've well, just see, that's, uh, but that's the invented thing. If there's right a, now. if there's a, if there's if there's any sort of conflict between the Zinkethi and the Klingons, the Zinkethi kind of have to travel. <laughs> they kind of have to travel through Federation space to get there, and the Klingons aren't going to be the aggressors against the Zinkethi. Hey, there's 40 billion of these Iconian gateway things in space now. Who says there's one not hidden on the far side of Klingon space and the Zenkathy have one? Yeah, but do you think the Zenkathy would be smart enough to use it? Hey, they're messing about with black holes and stuff. Given how point, little we know about them, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Pretty much all we know right now is that they're bears in big suit. Yeah, but you also have to remember... We we know very little about Iconian gateways ourselves, and we're constantly using four of them at any given time. Because there's the one that in the Japori sector, and in the Dyson sphere, there's two, and then that that second one is near the sun, and that one jumps to the Janolan Dyson sphere in the Delta Quadrant, which makes a fourth. We know at least enough to be able to operate the inside of them using no no we don't teams. all we know is that they're on that's it that's all that's it all we know is that they're on okay so there's See, this when mission we first, that pops when up we first, every... when, when we found the first one when we found the first one all we did was press a button because we had to get the hell out we we activated a personal uh gateway that took us to the to the to the carrier to the carrier that we came out of through the big one that appeared once we started trying to deactivate crap. All we know is that they're on and that they're working. We don't know how they work. We don't know why they work. They just work and we're using them. That's it. There's that mission that pops up every now and again during a weekend where science teams go aboard these things and basically strip them of parts and try to like, deactivate them. them. Yeah, And we're we're trying to stop the Alachi from kidnapping these guys whilst they're looting the gates. So surely they've learned something. One of the things that Alex has said in chat is, um, well, Worf was on Kronos before and then got Michael Dawn. And since they were revamping the Klingon starting experience, they just let him voice that stuff. I doubt they're going to retouch the Klingon starting experience again just to add in Tony Todd. If they were doing it anyway, sure, but I doubt they have plans for that. Is They have talked about plans to redo Kronos, especially after um, the ESD revamp, um, to sort of make that more in line with what can be seen and to improve the lighting. So. Yeah, but see, that's that's going to be one of those eternal whiteboarded things. At, at this point, DS9 is going to get an overhaul before Kronos does. I, I don't guarantee know. What, that. No, what I meant is Tony Todd could have recorded some extra lines ready for when they do get time to do it. And so could have Michael Dawn, actually, for that matter. Well, if, if they're... If they're time will tell. If they're if they're remaking Kronos, come on guys, get rid of the forge, do something nice. 
you, you moved crafting out of all of that stuff for the Klingons and then out of Memory Alpha because you were getting rid of that old version of crafting and you made the, the new version of crafting that we have now. Well, the Federation doesn't have access to Memory Alpha anymore and yet there's the Forge sitting completely useless in Kronos. What the hell? Okay, so we were given the PC patch notes for the 19th of January. So, very short, resolved an issue where 23rd century captains still had access to the winter map, and all 23rd century captains will automatically be moved off the map upon login. For known issues, some maps with reflections from windows may have visual issues, so they've still got some lighting problems, and KDF captains cannot wear some of the winter scarves. So um, that is it for the PC news there. Yeah, I just... I, I kind of feel a bit bad about the fact that the KDF scarf thing, which was an issue from the start of the winter event, is still an issue so if you were just wearing a costume during that event and you like were really itching to wear a scarf and you just totally couldn't i know some people are big into their space barbie sort of thing but that would kind of annoy a couple of people okay so console news um there isn't any the um. <laughs> the only thing console news related is the r&d weekend so yeah. If you're looking to get your extra little bits and pieces from your harvest nodes, jump into that. So, um, yeah, they're obviously spending time getting ready for the big updates. I know the console launches will, of course, be after, but I suppose they've probably moved some people around, even if it's just for um, a short time to bolster the PC crew to get some bits done, possibly. So, um, yeah, not much seems to have happened this week on the console. So, unfortunately, Geese isn't able to join us this evening to let us know if there's anything he has spotted in-game. But if there is, we'll let you know next week. So, so on to the combat log. Timberwolf has been going back in time to play about with the Perseus class, and he's outfitted Perseus class with all gear from the K-13 holding and came up with a pretty neat, like, uh, a lower kind of cannon build. And he's been having epic fun with that. So the YouTube link will, of course, be in our show notes if you're interested. So. He's also been doing a little bit of triple testing as well. And he comments that they're still not able to test the Lucari reputation system on the Tribble server, which is a shame because they were promised by the devs that it was going to be there for testing. But it's, it's still not. So I don't know when they'll be able to have that in place before the season drop. Uh, not sure. But... Uh... As always, time will tell, and we'll see what gets released and what doesn't. So, okay. Well, that is it for Star Trek Online news. So, now time for some Star Trek Timelines news. So, um, we've got a new event running this weekend. So, 
you've got the likes of Captain Nog appearing. It's um, very Ferengi heavy when it comes to this event. Um, I think what it's called now. Ferengi. I don't actually know what it's called myself. Um, oh, um, it's rule something. Um, rule one two five. One two five. Thank you. Yeah, had a brain freeze. What it was called. You know, when, uh, I, when I was reading it at first, my my eyes just skipped over all the numbers, thinking it was just dates, and I, I didn't see it <laughs> at all. <laughs> Essentially, the story behind this is that the everyone in the Ferengi everything kind of agrees that the, there should no longer be a war between the, the Ferengi alliance and the Ferengi traditionalists. And they all have their own means for putting an end to it. Two of them want to put down the Ferengi traditionalists, and, well, the Ferengi, Ferengi traditionalists are like, look, let's end those people. And naturally, they enlist the help of 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 other peoples. So you're, you're doing uh, away, you know, the, the shuttle mission things for this event. But, yeah... As said, this is the shuttle event, because um, last weekend it was the crafting. So um, you choose one of three factions, or even one of each, and uh, yeah, the winning faction, something will happen based on that. One of the key sort of strategies here is that when you're setting up your crew for the event, using any Ferengi gives you an instant bonus to your sort of your little bar straight away so if you've got that quark that you got last week that adds uh, a bonus to your score two if you were playing last week this is like you got your klingon quark and then you got your um the convergence quark yes yeah, convergence and, then you, quark. and then uh, well and then if you've completed the the uh, traditionalist alliance timeline you've also got Brunt or Rega if you haven't airlocked them yeah I've got them I've got them I just I, I'm, I'm running around with I'm running around with Rega I was like I can choose Brunt or I can choose the scientist uh, I need the science right now and having a Ferengi science scientist is something I actually want to have bye bye Brunt mm-hmm now, with this, as always, get more crew. The legendary character is Captain Nog, which is a new one. Um, you get Pell, which is super rare, and Klingon Quark. Now, that's the existing character that came out last week. Mm-hmm. So you have a chance to get it if you didn't partake in it. For those who don't remember, Pell was the female Klingon, or the Klingon, listen to me. God was the female Ferengi who fell in love with Orc. And oh, the one that pretended to be male. Right, yeah, that was Pell. That's right. So, yeah, Pell's back. Interestingly enough, in Star Trek Online, we've heard about Cork and Nog and Rom. Haven't heard shit about Pell. Anywhere. Even with all these Ferengi reforms that, that, that Negus Rom has done. Haven't heard shit about Pell. Hey. Um, we're also getting some preparation for version 1.7. So they're going to be making some changes. 
The event rewards are once again visible at the event announcement screen. Vic Fontaine's microphone now has its own image instead of a placeholder. Savak, level 20, no longer needs to equip two command uniforms. The redundant one has been replaced by the item authorization code. Judge Q at level 90 no longer requires ethical subroutine, but requires security codes instead. And then away missions, the engineer trait has been replaced by saboteur, jerry rigger, or innovator. So there have been some improvements to the vault layout. They fixed an issue with the emergency transponder. So that's a three-star version can now be improved compared to the one and two-star versions. So all rarities should no longer show a stat with the value zero. Luxana Troy can now be selected in the Sunday Cadet Challenge. Uh, Bashir, all eligible variants of Bashir should now be selectable in the Sunday Cadet Challenge. And um, is that because he's an argument and, and, and not just human? Possibly. Cause, um, cause I would think so, because it is genetically make, enhanced. That would that would make no sense to me unless it was a, oh, he's human, but but he's got, you know, he's he's part augment, which is not really alien. It's just it's just human DNA meddling. So I, I don't. Uh, OK, OK. I, I guess the thing is, they were trying to add more science people to the to the mix because I've been playing the Sunday Cadet Challenges, and where I fail is having people who are up and up on their science. Yeah. Okay. Now, Stu, you made a video regarding timelines. Yes, I produced a... Well, I was going to say short, but it's maybe about 15 to 20 minutes long. It's just a, a quick and honest review on timelines. Just my opinions of it, and I... I kind of see what what I dislike about it and a few of the things that I think are a bit, you know, a bit heavy about it. I, I think the game's a bit on the unbalanced side because you can literally steamroll through four or five missions in a row without a problem. And then there's a sudden hike of a requirement to get past. And then the difficulty just drops straight back down again. And it's a bit, I believe some of the words that I used during the review are what and uh. And see, this is, this is actually an interesting thing that they sent a mail for in-game, yet I've not seen anywhere addressed on, on their anything, which seems really awkward. Yeah, they tend, said just, that, they tend to just post things on their forum and they don't really do much else. Occasionally you'll get an email but not all the time. Because they, the, the, the update we got was in preparation for the launch of 1.7.0. Because the launch of 1.7.0 is supposed to be, Stu, a massive rebalance of everything from episode 4 to 7. Okay. Because that's, that, that, that was part of what they were saying. We had one idea for how a character would level up. They'd have crew, and by the time that they got to these missions, those crew would be sufficiently leveled up and would have gear to 
to be high enough level to do these next, you know, these next missions missions at a higher operating level. And what we found out was surprise, surprise, when you start throwing crew at people who have all kinds of different stats and all different kinds of rarities, guess what? Those crew go out in airlock so you can make room for the new and better crew. So they were having to re-level up all of these other characters, and guess what? Nobody was getting really good at passing these later on levels, because nobody had the levels to achieve passing them. So they're bringing those levels down again. They're going to... Uh, they said something about fiddling with the um, the drop rates again. Like, maybe putting in more more things and upping and lowering certain item drop rates in different respects because of the different missions and then they gauge it from there to see how they go uh how they how, would, how they would go even further forward with the with you know the rebalance so generally everything from episode 4 which is the Ferengi alliance up to 7 is being lowered in difficulty uh it was uh it was one of the Ferengi alliance missions that i was sort of stuck behind for a little it while. It was the last the, one. It was the, the final, last one. The final to part of it had this Brunt massive Rega, That last mission was a nightmare. And then the very first episode of ep- uh, the very first mission of episode five, you blazed right through it. And then you got to episode two and you went, wait a minute. I need someone with a level 125 this, that, and the other. I don't have any of that. Exactly. That's the, the sort of problems I'm having. Whereas, on the other hand, uh, something else I mentioned in my my honest review is space combat is ridiculously evil, easy. Even on the the epic difficulty, I can bang bang, you're dead in five seconds against anyone that I come across. Especially if you have a better ship than that thing you're running around in with the four nacelles. Oh, well, I've got a Borg cube that I use for day-to-day use. I, oh, I just you, dropped down to the Stargazer for would, video. You would. You would be flying around in a Borg cube and then make your public video using the starter ship. You ass. <laughs> well, I just wanted to be honest, didn't I? I wanted to show people what it was like with the lower-level experience. <laughs> but even in the battle that I went through with the starter ship, it still, bang, bang, less than 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. You gotta admit, though, you also had crew that were sufficiently high, no- high, high enough level to overpower your buttons when you pushed them. That's the, that's the thing people that that that's the thing I don't think a lot of people really realize when you're sitting there playing that game. Your captains or your your crew when you're when they're on part of the starship, they have a set beginning for how much they increase, and as you're leveling them up they also naturally increase in the grade of their starship performance of whatever it is they do. But added to the ship as well, they are, uh, uh, and with them being assigned to a proper seating, like um, a tactical security or a, a diplomatic position, that also boosts their effectiveness of whatever they do. So you could... You could quite literally sit in the starter ship and then have a captain who's rank 50 or who's level 50. And as long as they have that right trait in the first slot, you're gaining anywhere between five to eight points in that thing. Okay. I only worked out how to 
how to sort of properly balance what was what someone was able to do because I when I started the game I just randomly threw people onto a ship and I just didn't care and it's something that I've only just in the last couple of days got the hang of and that's after just over a month of playing the game so there I don't want to say that there should be a bit more of a tutorial but Wait, wait, I had to learn wait, 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 myself, wait, wait, you know? wait, 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 okay, that makes what I said earlier, that makes what I, that makes it even worse, of course you would, you've only been playing a month, and of course you have a Borg ship already, god. Well, going back a little bit, uh, I think Sun, you mentioned about doing some stuff this last weekend, uh, when it came down to... Um, the event that was played. Now, this was another crafting event that took part. Um, yes, it was. A, it was essentially the one-year anniversary event, uh, the convergence yeah. event. But I actually did quite a lot in game last weekend. I was actually quite surprised. Um, a lot of I people did. Um, Mike from the GNT show said he was. He had actually. This was the highest level he had achieved in timelines for any event, and, and I don't know if that's. He's achieved quite high, actually, as well. Um, so, he, you know, and, and I, I understand a lot of people, I, hell, I could have done a whole lot better than I did, but at that point, I really didn't care because I didn't have the slots to do it. And then at the end of it, they gave me a whole bunch more things and said, here, go get some more crew. And I'm like, I don't have this space. Quit shoving crew at me if you're not going to give me space. <laughs> oh, yes, I know that all too well. But, and people uh, and 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 they wonder why they had to rebalance four through seven. Christ, you have. I looked through the. I looked through the vault. I looked through this little the little the cryogenic vault thing. You have th over three hundred right now. Over three hundred different unique crew, and the max crew you can have, as far as I I am aware, is like one hundred and fifty. Between 75 and 150? That doesn't sound right. Especially as long as it takes to level up crew into level 100 and then equip all the crap that they need on that level 100 to be able to put them in that vault. That's ridiculous that you don't have the means to give people more slots almost constantly, especially during events where a community reward is, here's a crew member. That crew member should be coming with a slot. Yeah, even if it's just with Legendary, that would be helpful. Because Legendary drops aren't that often, but, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. In that department, I've actually been kind of lucky. Because... <laughs> Because I got a free 10-pack of the common, and in that free 10-pack, I pulled out a queue, a judge queue. Nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> then, then the convergence event happened, and I got myself the human queue, too, so I've been leveling him up. But yeah. I've also pulled out, I've also pulled out uh, the EMH. As a legendary, I've also got a legendary version of Data, and then I've got the legendary Convergence Cork, too. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I played so much that I think I went through three, 4,000 chronotons. So, 
I've been sitting at about 3,000 since I came back into game. And when I came back into game, I had about 5,000. So, but yeah, I think got I've a couple still, of hundred. <laughs> I think I've got um, three and a half thousand left or around that now. If you if you sit and leave it for a couple of months, do <laughs> through game glitches or bugs or whatever. By the time you come back in like two or three months, you'll have a couple of thousand. <laughs> Not to well, mention like the eight hundred something that they give you for like the crafting events. Okay, well. That's it for Star Trek Timelines. So, um, yeah, if you enjoy doing the shuttles, uh, head in game now. So, on to some Star Trek news. So, um, Stu, did you want to read through these? Yes, uh, the first article I've got on the agenda is regarding the death of an actor called Miguel Ferrer. He played the first officer of the USS Excelsior in Star Trek Three. Uh, I think he was only on screen for a couple of minutes, and he he only said a couple of lines to the the captain. But I've got a quote here from him from a few years back. He said that he had fun portraying the first officer early in his acting career. Being a Star Trek fan from the beginning, it was such a thrill, Ferrer reminisced. I read for Leonard Nimoy, who was one of my big childhood heroes, and he gave me the role. I got to wear the Starfleet uniform, and there was Mr. Spock directing the picture. It was a small part, but one of the great, great thrills of my life, something that I'll never forget, and it was just a great day. Uh, Miguel Ferrer was the son of an Oscar-winning actor, Josie Ferrer and Rosemary Clooney and he's the cousin of George Clooney and he's survived by his wife Laurie and his two sons Lucas and Rafi and his brothers and sisters. He was also in NCIS Los Angeles and Crossing Jordan and one of the showrunners for NCIS Los Angeles R. Scott Gemmell said in a statement that NCIS Los Angeles has lost a beloved family member. Miguel was a man of tremendous talent who had a powerful dramatic presence on screen. He had a wicked sense of humour and a huge heart and our thoughts go out to his wife Laurie, his sons and his entire family. He will be greatly missed. Yeah, I I watch NCIS and NCIS Los Angeles and he plays such a serious character on there, um, but he's a, it's a good character. I do like his character in that, and yeah, it's a shame. We also have some other really, really important news, and I can't believe that I... Uh, why did I close the link? Don't. Trying to put it in the show notes. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? It's all over, folks. The oh, that's in holodeck. That's in holodeck that, news. Yeah, that's in other news. It's still Star Trek news. Oh, we're it's turned that under bit the to fan holodeck. Fiction. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that shit later. Sunlearned format. <laughs> it's Star Trek news. It's not just fan stuff. It is Trek news yes yeah, it involves the ip holders i know but we're relegating that just to holodeck so 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you've got some dates as well for us, do you? January the 14th and 21st, 1992. Chain of Command, parts 1 and 2, Star Trek TNG. Where Picard, Crusher and Worf are sent on an undercover mission into Cardassian space to destroy a suspected munitions factory. Whereas Worf and Beverly make it back, but Picard doesn't. And spends the second part being sadistically tortured by the Cardassian Gull, who's played by... And I should be kicking myself because I've forgotten his name. Um, I can't remember. But this is the one which has got Captain Edward Jellicoe in. Now, I think I'm mm-hmm. probably the only person who's involved in GNT that doesn't like Jellicoe at all. Sorry, I... Well, th- that's like the him. thing. You're th- the people at the GNT show are the contrarians of the bunch. Because yeah. you're you're from a TNG perspective, you're not meant to like Jellico. Jellico is is meant to be the overreaching guy who comes on because the captain is away and makes everything run his way. And a lot of people, you're not supposed to like Jellico, even though what Jellico is doing is wholly proper and is wholly the way. Starfleet wants their ship to be run. Picard's got his own style and the way he runs the ship, and well, that's where Jellico flips everything on the ship on its head. So you're, you're you're not supposed to like him, even though he's doing the right. It's like hating the the truancy officer in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You're supposed to hate the character because the character is supposed to seem evil, even though they're actually doing their job. Is it wasn't that he seemed evil. It was just the fact that with a Galaxy-class ship, it's different than another Federation ship that he has obviously been in command of, where there aren't families and things like that. A Galaxy-class ship is an awful lot different. They've got a certain way of working. And rather than knowing how that works, and he just says, no, it's this way. And... He even tried to... And the thing is, with the GNT crew, they say about how Riker's all whiny. It's just like, sorry, no. He represents the people who are in the ship, and they come to him with problems. And of course, one of the things that Jellico had a go at Riker for was he hadn't implemented the new crew rotor. And it's just the fact that it's just like, yeah, get this done right now. And sort of with the GNT they go yeah he should he should have done as he was told and things like that now to me whenever I see that the way that it was done is he Riker says I want to talk to you uh, and I always thought of it that he had arranged it with the heads plans were in place ready but it hadn't just been pushed forward just yet because there are probably reasons why they had things on um was it a four shift rotor instead of a three because you've got all the families and civilians which they need to be taken into consideration it's Mm -hmm. a different type of ship and it's just the fact he was so dismissive he came in right this 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 and this and the thing is 
he knew he was coming in to go straight into a war zone. Now, the thing is, the Enterprise crew, they have got a good reputation. They get the job done. They know each other. They know how the ship works. They know how the shifts work. And instead, he comes in, turns it all upside down. And for what? Even when it comes to Picard's fish, it's just like, seriously, you got rid of the fish. You don't know he's not coming back. <laughs> it's just like you are basically telling the crew, fuck the captain that you know and that in some cases even love, that no one's coming back. They're gone. You're not told why. And it's just like, sorry, that is just a shitty person. And that is a shitty commander. So, well, yes, at the same time, you also have to remember the whole episode. This, this this entire episode itself was weird. It was weird to begin with. Why are you sending Worf, uh, uh, Crusher, and the Captain on an away mission when y- you know damn well the first rule of Riker is you don't let the Captain go anywhere you go. Yeah, well, that's Riker's number one rule. I mean that uh, both as a pun and actually. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, wasn't it more that rule. it was it was a top secret situation? Therefore, captain's eyes only. They needed the doctor there to investigate the validity of biological weapons, and then they needed Worf there because we need a red shirt. Yeah, he was the security. But the thing is, that's Riker, stupid. Because yeah, but the thing is, remember, Riker, Riker didn't even know what the orders were. That's yeah, that's that, that, that's exactly so, my point. So this came from the admirals above. So in this case, he had no choice but to let that happen. He couldn't just say no, you're staying right. because the orders those, had come down. And from those same admirals above, Jellicoe has said, go here, Mr. Captain. Prepare these people for a possible war. Yeah, and um, I know Nick's been in the military and everything else, but I'm sorry. For a commander who's taking what it may be permanent, but probably temporary command to just turn everything upside down to go immediately into a combat situation... I'm sorry, I don't see that happening. Sure, if they're taking over command and they're not going into war and that there is time, then yeah, sure, they will want things done their own way. But for someone to come in to turn things upside down, I'm sorry, I don't see any commander doing that because the amount of upheaval it would cause to the staff... Now, yes, they're all professionals, but when they've got a way of working that works... It's a ship that is known not only throughout the Federation, but to enemies and allies. It is the flagship. You don't just turn all that up just because you're in command and you want to basically sort of fly your flag high. Just like, sorry, I don't see that ever happening. But as I said, I can see Nick's point of view about yeah, a new commander comes in, he wants things done his way, and yes, some of these things could be really crappy, stupid things. But when it, yeah, as I said, when it comes to going straight into a combat situation like they were, sorry, yeah, that was just dumb. You're you're making the crew less efficient just because you want it done your way. So the only reason Jellicoe was there in the first place is the captain was needed because of his experience with 
the stuff that they were looking for. He was there because of his experience with the Cardassians. It didn't mean he knew the ship. It didn't mean he knew the crew. He may have read reports, but he doesn't know how that place runs. That's what Riker's job is. And he didn't even talk to the guy. And the one time when it came to the shifts that Riker wanted to talk to him. And he as I said, completely dismissive. Yeah, he he didn't even bother listening. He just told him, do as you told him, fuck oh. off. We we did get we we did get one good thing out of this episode. One good thing out of this episode. And no, it's not the four lights. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got one good thing out of this episode. We got Troy out of those camel toe one pieces and into a Starfleet uniform. Thank God. <laughs> but again, that also go- I can again I can see the point of view from a lot of people about her being in uniform, but her job was to talk to not just military people, but to the civilians of the ship. She was there to make them feel comfortable. So for her not to be in uniform, I can completely understand why. Oh no, I look, I can agree. I can, I can totally agree with that. My problem was the camel toe one pieces. That's what I had a problem with. Yeah. But then back then, most of the things that they had on were extremely revealing for everyone, aliens included. Um, it nuh-uh, wasn't. Nuh-uh. In season one and season two, they had all of those freaking scants. Where did the <laughs> hell did they go? <laughs> they had those scants and the big, huge, floppy go-go boots. Where did all of those go? Maybe I they temporarily wore them back to the 60s. <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sake, does anybody... They, human Q. You see what he's wearing? He's got like this vesty thing. And yeah, he's got like tight jeans, but they're not so tight. They're like hugging his bulge. But the thing is, it was the 80s and you see some videos of people in the 80s. They were wearing some tight sort of jogging bottoms and th- all sorts of sports stuff like that. So it it's in a way, it's a, a sign of the times. I've always taken it as. So, yeah, it it wasn't until the 90s when people really started wearing sort of loose clothing more. So, yeah, to me, the scants and the stuff from season one was just a sign of when it came out, to be honest. Well, and but then again, you've also got that 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 callback too in um, in the first and second seasons i believe before before jordy got engineering you had all of the you had the chief engineer wearing a, a you know a starfleet uniform but just about everybody else was wearing those old toss era looking kind of jumpsuit things yeah like we're in engineering here's our jumpsuit it's like okay that's that's interesting okay whatever and meanwhile we we see we see we we see o'brien who's a completely not starfleet just an enlisted man in a in a tng uniform and they're like um and and in the first episode mind you because he's on the battle bridge flying the ship (laughs) and he's in a starfleet uniform (laughs) <laughs> and he's even called O'Brien. If you're reading it, if you're reading the subtitles for the episode, the closed captions, it says O'Brien. And then what he says, 
<laughs> yeah, um, Alex in chat says the scants are too progressive. <laughs> and the name of the actor that you were trying to think of is David Warner. Yes, um, he was a Shakespearean actor who'd worked alongside Patrick Stewart before as well. Uh, he was also a Klingon. Yes, Undiscovered he Country. played Gorkon in The Undiscovered Country and the Klingon Academy game that was out in the mid-90s, as well as being the human ambassador to Nimbus. But yeah, thank you to Alex who uh, pointed that out um, a little while ago in chat. Um, but one of the things that Patrick Stewart, I think, has been said that these were one of his most favourite episodes for filming and he put a lot of effort into it. Um, I think it was actually his idea to be stripped down and naked, and he spent a lot of time redoing scenes because he wanted it to be right. And um, especially sort of more recently in recent years, you learn more about him and his um, his work to do with victims um, of sort of domestic violence and things like that. And you can see why this sort of episode um, would be sort of important to him to sort of get right. And I thought he did an excellent job in it. Uh, yes, um, I remember probably one of the, the best sort of quotes that I'd heard from Patrick Stewart was something along the lines of no one would listen to a, a scared, frightened woman who was being abused, but they will listen to an old white man. So they'll listen to me. And that's been, that, that was a, a major poster a few years back, which was very eye opening for a lot of people. Yeah. But no, it, it's a good double episode, but as I said, it's just the whole thing of Jellicoe and his attitude with everything. And as I said, I can see the other point, and yeah, if you listen to the G&T show, um, they've gone into Jellicoe and everything else plenty of times, and I'm sure they will end up doing that again in future episodes as well. But I yeah. do have to say, though, Picard seems to have been tortured a whole hell of a lot less than, than you know, O'Brien. And in some ways, O'Brien was a whole lot less tortured than, than Picard. See, because O'Brien was on the receiving end of just outright physical violence because they they literally yanked a tooth out of O'Brien while he was awake without any, you know, pain-killing agent. They just yanked a tooth out. We, we, we didn't see that with Picard, even though they stripped him naked and they hosed him down and then put him, put him in, like, clothing and then halfway didn't feed him. I mean, yeah, it's still torture, but it's, like, I mean, you have this really physical violence that happens to O'Brien. And at that moment is when the Obsidian agent person walks in and goes, what the hell are you doing? Stop this. We're supposed to be treating this person with dignity. And meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Picard who's going through a lot of this, like, really kind of mental torture more than anything. Well, with O'Brien, I... I think something like that would have been included in this episode if they had flushed out the Cardassians at that point. Well, um, yeah, I, when yeah, it came I, to I, Deep I, Space I, Nine, you, they'd of course the whole thing was 
around Cardassians and the Bajorans. So they really put a lot more time and effort into them. So, of course, at this point, when it came to um, Chain of Command, all that stuff hadn't sort of been done. So I think at this point, had the Cardassians actually lost that silly head stuff that they'd got? Or were they still wearing it? Can't remember how early it was now. Wait, what wait, what head stuff? Oh, they had this sort helmet. of helmet gear stuff that they wore when Cardassians oh, were the first Vulcan introduced. Kind of helmet things. Mm, yeah. Uh, I can't remember whether or not they still had some of that stuff in this episode. Um can't remember it, how early it was it was it was i want to say it was floating around on like the grunts but not warner yeah um because i'm trying to think chain of command that's i was, was going to say season three but it's not it's much later it's only like six isn't it, Is it five, or, five six? or six yeah yeah memory alpha okay season six episode ten so um so yeah good episode but yeah don't like Jericho so probably be fired from the GNT show now after saying that <laughs> well, they can't fire they can't... you the show will fall apart without you you, you like run the, the back of it no 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 that's Mike no, that's Mike, the medium that Mike, does that Mike pretty much runs runs everything yeah no I midnight, just help out midnight's, midnight's the backup recording <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm just the backup staff, and when things get a bit too technical when it comes to hosting, then um, I get um, called upon because um, it's what I do. So, uh, but no, Mike. Plus, the um, rates are outrageous here in the US. Uh, they're pretty okay over can't here. Can't keep you. They can't keep you permanently on staff. They only have to call you when it's absolutely an emergency, and then pay for it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you've got another date for stuff that's happening around this date. Yes, the, the other article that I have is that DeForest Kelly would have turned 97 on Friday the 20th. So yesterday for us. Or today for the Americans. <sighs> so could you imagine an old cantankerous Bones McCoy being 97 years old? Well, considering he was... Um, was it 15 years outfit, older yes. in season one <laughs> um, <laughs> where he was pretending to be older than that An admiral yeah yeah that, that uh, yeah see but see that's the thing i don't i don't see that as deforest kelly i don't see that as an elderly deforest kelly i see the elderly deforest kelly as in the disco outfit <laughs> <laughs> that's how i see an older deforest kelly <laughs> oh, what with the beard and the medallion Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's, straight that was, out of seventies. That, that was literally hit that's literally what he was wearing when they picked him up for the show and he's like, I'm not changing out of this and it's like, okay, we'll deal with it. <laughs> so yeah. Happy birthday. Okay. Well thank you for this week in Star Trek history. So Viewer on Time for main viewer. So this is where we go through any official TV and movie information. So we've recently had some information on Discovery. So um, we've been told that James Frain, who was in The Tudors and True Blood, is slated to join the list of actors. And he'll be playing the Vulcan diplomat 
and father of Spock, Sarek. So um, he's also been playing in um, Gotham as well, hasn't he? I'm not sure. I, I don't watch Gotham. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure he has, because um, he, he's been in a few things recently. Um, so, um, yeah, I think one of them is um, Gotham. Probably easier for me just to literally go to IMDb, I suppose. Um, yes, um, I've got quite a list of things here. We've got Prime Suspect, Elizabeth, Hillary and Jackie, The Tudors, Flash Forward, True Blood, The Tron Legacy, and most recently he played Leet Brannis on Agent Carter, Ferdinand on Orphan Black, and Theo Galavan slash Asriel on Gotham. Yeah, he's Orphan Black and um, Agent Carter that I was thinking of. I knew he'd been in a couple of other things that I watched, but I couldn't think what it was off the top of my head. So, um, I think that there's also another one as well. Ah, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're the ones that I've watched. Oh, yeah. The Mentalist he was in. And Burn Notice. Yeah, certainly. It's so long who's... ago since I've watched some of these that I've forgotten. <laughs> you see these people in them. So. Certainly someone who's got a lot of acting experience under their belt. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, being in California, California, um, CSI, um, Grey's Anatomy, Fringe, Numbers, Threshold. Oh, I saw that. I like that. 24 as well. Oh, yeah, because he was um, Thingy's sister, I think it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, lots of different things. So, yeah, it'll be... Um, so, yeah, it's another good actor that's joining the cast. So... Um, so yeah, they're slowly building up. They're due to be um, oh, filming at the end of this month is when they start. So, um, so yeah, we're slowly getting together who the cast is. So um, yeah, hopefully we'll get a bit more information soon. Um, there has been talk, although I haven't seen it on the official channels yet, about... Um, it possibly being delayed for release until the fall, but no actual date has been given. And as I said, I haven't actually seen this from official sources just yet. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's still a May release, but it looks like it's possible it could be a few months later. thing is, if they're starting filming now, then... There was talk when it got pushed back originally that they would do what they had done on previous series, that as they go through and they're actually recording, some of the episodes would be released. So if they were to start now, depending on how much CG there is to do, it may be possible that it is still kept as um, a May release. But as I said... At the moment, I've not seen anything official, and uh -huh. if I do... Um, did... Uh, I have to go look and... Does somebody have last week's episode notes up? I can look into them now. Is there something in particular that you're after? Kinda wanna make sure that we discussed, um, the, the 
I don't I don't know if it was rumor or if it was actual press, like a press release, that um there was a delay because one of the actors was having a problem because they have this other show that they film on. Oh, this is The Walking Dead. No, I think that's just rumor. It's what a lot of people are blaming for um this rumor of it being delayed. But the thing is the shooting schedules are completely different. So there was no conflict between, um, was it Sonika Martin-Green? Um, so, yeah, there was no shooting schedule because they're not doing more shoots until the fall. So, yeah, it, I'm, I'm not sure where all this has come from. I think a lot of people, it's just like everyone saying, oh, she's going to be the next person to die off in The Walking Dead. And it's just like, well, no. The way that they shoot that entire thing is someone could still be in it, but only in like one or two episodes, depending on how the arc goes anyway. And yeah, it's just people just think, ah, it's got to be happening. And it's just like, well, no, it doesn't. Um, And yeah, this is the whole thing is they're still getting some of the crew together and they're due to start shooting um, at the end of this month, beginning of February. And People are thinking, oh, it's getting delayed. And yeah, I have only seen rumours that this has been delayed, um, but nothing from official sources yet. Um, So the thing is, last time it was announced that it was going to be late, there was an official um, notice that that was happening. So um, I would expect that if it is to be delayed, that we would get another one. But... um, yeah, we'll let people know if and when we actually hear something. Okay, because I just, I remember it being posted in our chat and then not seeing it in the show notes. I'm like, was that a thing that existed? Or or did my mind just like somehow magically conjure it up in our chat? Because I remember having this discussion and going like, if that's, if that's true, of course. Now I'm trying to find the links. I'm sure I'd put in some links regarding. Oh, you have um, to scroll up a whole hell of a long way. <laughs> yeah. Now we had some because there's some information about the theme tune. Oh but, yeah, that we we got the we got the theme tune today. Um, but again, it what from what I can tell, it's not from any official source it was posted a a snippet of it was posted from i want to say one of the people working on the team or someone who says they're working on it because well i don't know because it was posted to twitter with a snippet of them recording the 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 live audio of the 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 orchestra creating the song yeah, I'm just finding the links because yeah, it's bugging me because yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I put I pasted it in. <laughs> Must have imagined it. <laughs> so, um, but um, but yeah, um, gonna stray oh nine just posted in a link um about um the delay from HollywoodReporter.com. dot com um when they reported about James Frayne um, taking up Spock's father. Um, I think this was actually one of the ones that I saw early on. 
But again, I didn't see any quotes in that report where someone had officially said it was being delayed. Um, so, that, yeah, that, that, there's a quote in there saying, this is an ambitious project. We will be flexible on launch date and if it's best for the show. Um, we've said from the beginning it's more important to get this right than to do it fast. There's also been added flexibility presenting on CBS All Access, which isn't beholden to seasonal premieres or launch or windows. So there is nothing... They're indicating that it could be delayed, depending on circumstances, but nothing that I have seen has actually said it will be delayed. And the quote that's in The Hollywood Reporter, um, still, it doesn't... No one has officially been quoted with saying it has been delayed. So, it's like that It's like that, that damn video that keeps coming up, but everybody's going, Disney confirms, like, all the Pixar movies are connected. No, they haven't. It's literally a, a movie from Pixar going, hey, here are all the references, and here are where they all go to. It doesn't say the world is connected or anything like that. It's just a bunch of the Easter eggs from Pixar films. What the hell are you people talking about? Yeah, it's to me, it's just clickbait. It's all it is. Um, and yeah, none of what I've seen has confirmed any of that. And yeah, um, Stu, you've put in the link regarding the Discovery stuff. Now, this is coming from a website called ncc-1031.com. That, that was me. Oh, that was you. Sorry. Um, and yeah, again, it's not an official source. Yes, they're tracking all things regarding sort of what's happening. But this isn't Star Trek.com. This isn't um, any official press release. This is just, well, what I assume is a fan-run site. So, um... I was looking up the person who shows up in the... The, the the tweet that is linked to and um the the person who is linked to is on IMDb as a music composer although they have no credit for being on the discovery team which we don't have a full list of all the people working on the thing yet in the first place so he could be he could not be the thing is again if they're going to announce something like this I'd expect to see this from an official channel because the music of Star Trek has always been a big thing. So for someone look, I from... I understand. I understand. The, I, I, look, I understand. I oh, just... yeah. And it's just like all these people saying, oh, it's been released. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And it's just like, well, hang on. We don't even know how true this is. This could be someone who has released something they have written for Discovery but they have been commissioned to do this. They haven't got the job. It could be someone who's saying, look what I can do. And if that is the case, that would explain why the composition that you can hear with what's been listed as the full musical um, composition um, well, as of the 7th well, of Jan um, seems to be so bitty. There's no smooth flowing of the music. It's sort of almost like it's been cut in pieces as like a demo. <laughs> well, and that's well again. I, I'm I, I'm going to throw this out there because I don't know if it's true or not. 
but you would think you would think that somebody who is looking to introduce music would do the same thing to a score as they do to artistry. And that is, we have an idea for a thing. Here, artist, you go draw the thing. Here, artist, you go draw a different version of that thing. Here, artist, you, here's some money. You go and draw a third version of that thing. And you're essentially commissioning the different, the different variations, and then you pick the one that you like. Mm. So this could have been – this could be a commissioned piece. This could totally be a commissioned piece and totally not be one that they picked, although it would be – a theme that just got shoved under because they didn't like it. So, but the thing is, until we actually hear something official, to be honest, I would just take a listen, see what you think, but just take it on the nose. So literally, there is nothing that says this is official. Can, can, can I, can I just, I honestly, I, I just want to say, for everybody who's eagerly anticipating the new ship look and the theme and all that kind of stuff, I would absolutely love if they kept that teaser trailer's music and worked it into a theme for Discovery. Yeah. Because uh, that well. that just I mean, yeah, it was it was it was different from a lot of the stuff you hear, and it was very militaristic and very Klingon and very metal heavy. And it worked because it gave you a completely different vibe. It get you know, in the look of the ship, gave you a completely different vibe. It said, "This is not the Starfleet you're used to." And yeah. I really hope that that you know that music flows over because that was the whole point of the teaser. This is not the Star Trek you're used to. Yeah, it definitely seems like it is. Um just from the trailer that it might be more sort of gritty a bit like deep space nine um but again we won't know for a little while now one of the things gone astray 09 said in chat when they posted the link to the hollywoodreporter.com um article was that it was an interview but yes it is an interview but of course the quote that they selected never actually stated it was delayed just that they're not beholden to a schedule, so they have got room to delay it if they need to. And Alex has put in chat, um, I don't know whether it's delayed or not. CBS was unable to launch for the birthday. Yes, I know they had to wait for some number of months after the movie. And honestly, they negotiated that contract, so it's still their fault. If I was in charge of CBS, people would be out of jobs now. Now, yes, I'm sure CBS would have liked to have launched it for September when it was the 50th anniversary. But if I recall correctly, the release of the Star Trek film was actually put back because I think they'd originally wanted to do it for 2016, um, a few months earlier to begin with just for the cinema release. But I think that originally even before then they were think planning for a 2015 release so i don't think that the contracts probably stated dates um and if there were it was probably loose dates we estimate we would have things out by then 
And of course, at that time when they made this deal, there was no thought of doing another TV series at that time. So, um, but yeah, it would have been nice. And I'm sure CBS would have loved to have done that. Um, but at the end of the day, they would have had to have waited until the end of January before it could be released. <laughs> I have to say, though, <laughs> that just kind of proves the mentality of CBS with what they're holding. Because they agreed to this, that they agreed to license to Paramount some the these new film rights, and yet the position of this whole thing is we're not going to need to make a new TV series because that's not what the fans want ever. Well, no, no, that that's the thing. When the shareholders and directors and everything else went to sort this thing out. Those people are not thinking of the fans. They are thinking, at the moment, a TV series is not very profitable for to us, but a deal with Paramount to do this deal is very profitable, and we get a huge injection of cash. Not to and mention, we're also going to deny JJ the rights to obliterate all of our old toys and make his own new ones. Yeah, well, the thing is, is they also then for this relaunch, get a whole new thing that they can market and sell products for. So over the span of 10 years, they've got lots of products they can then sell, which they um, wouldn't have been able to do before. So for CBS, they've got all that money coming in and the people at the top who are only looking out for profit, that's what they cared about. It had nothing to do with trying to do something for an anniversary. As fans, that is something we would love. But for the people at the top, no, they're not interested in that. Well, so, you also have to remember some of those shareholders are actually fans. Oh, of so. course, some will be. But if you say to a few shareholders, oh, which would you prefer? A huge amount of cash or to have something on an anniversary date? I bet you they're going to pick the cash. Unfortunately, the, th that's the, the world we live experiment. in. It's the marshmallow experiment. Yeah, you can have you can have one marshmallow now, or you can wait fifteen minutes, and I'll give you two. I'll take the one marshmallow now. I'll take the one marshmallow now. What? <laughs> wait. Your the whole point of your company is to invest in things to get more profit down the road. So thing is they didn't know how the films would turn out and that it would boost um sort of it's like it's like every time cryptic goes into a partnership with anybody not related to star trek online suddenly those people crash and go ah, we weren't expecting this oh really you've never dealt with star trek fans before whiz kids <laughs> But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, when we find out anything official, um, we will let you know. And same as what we've just done, even if it's just reporting, then, yeah, we will, of course, let you know um, when we hear it. So, um, but yeah, as I said, for all the stuff flying around, yeah, I wouldn't take too much into it when it comes to delays because the thing is star trek.com actually ran an article about james frame joining discovery and there was no mention at all there regarding 
um, any delay. So all it said was that it's coming out in 2017. So if a delay had been confirmed, I would have expected it in there. The fact that it's not in there, somebody's just making um, news for clickbait. That's all it is. As I said, someone's taken a small snippet of what's said and said, ah, it's going to be delayed. My recommendation would be to pop on over to the Star Trek official website and sign up for email notifications. Uh, They sent me that article by email on the 18th regarding James Frame. So, um, um, Gone Astray has said the Trek Yards guys in their covering of the delay stated that they've heard from their contacts, i.e. John Eves, that the final design is locked down. So, yeah, I'm sure now they have got things like the final designs locked down and we know that the first two episodes have been written. So even though sort of the actors haven't um, got together to start production, I'm sure that if the final design of the ships and things like that have been locked down, that the CG stuff has already been started for a lot of this um, So they're not going to wait around because they don't need the actors for a lot of the ship stuff um, for the external shots at all. So a lot of that stuff, which is the bits that take the time because you've then got the rendering and everything else afterwards, that stuff takes a lot of time to do. So that stuff could be rendering while the CG stuff is done for the stuff with the cast. So as of yet, to me... It's coming out May until I hear something. So, okay. So that's it for Star Trek news. Turning off the main viewer, Captain. <laughs> well, it's time to turn on the holodeck. Wood, wood, wood. So. Now, um, question. Does it come with the vibrator setting? <laughs> well, it certainly needs a hose down oh, after oh, we're finished oh, with it. Oh, you said deck, not the other word. Okay, my bad. <laughs> So, we've <laughs> heard... got to- it. I got it as well. So, we have heard today I'll that... I'll just be back in a minute. <laughs> I broke that- stew this time. Oh dear. So, yeah, we've heard that Axanar have settled, which isn't too surprising, considering Alec Peters was told that all his financials would have to be released and given to the jurors and that he can't hide all the information he's been hiding about how much of a con man he is. So he finds out he can't hide his financials um, and all of a sudden, oh look, he's going to make a deal. Funny that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I know. D- d- make no mistake. Make no mistake. This wasn't the deal he was mulling over. This has been the same exact settlement terms CBS has had it pretty much had from the beginning of this whole thing. From the yeah. beginning of this whole lawsuit, this is pretty much the same exact settlement CBS and Paramount were offering him, and he defied it. 
up until the 17th, because the 17th is when the judge ruled, you're not going to be able to hide these financial statements. They cannot be redacted. They must be put in full for public viewing for the jury and for everyone to see. And the moment that came out, along with the fact that, that they had overturned the fair use as a, as a credible defense in this case, that was it. That's it. I mean, th there is nothing else Miss Ranahan could have argued in this case. The only thing that would have been able to have been discussed in this case was the amount of damages that CBS could collect out of Alec Peters. Because oh, oh, oh could you ruin um, Could you ruin him for every violation of IP in just Prelude alone? But then you're talking about, you know, was it willful? And if it was willful, that could go even further in fines and could possibly have led to jail time. Yeah. So he's managed to keep the financials away. But I really hope somebody reports him to the IRS, is it, that you've got over there? Um, mm -hmm. Internal that, Revenue Service. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, because, yeah, it's um, HMRC over here. So I just <laughs> one of those things, I go to say it and it's something like, is that right? So, yeah, I hope somebody reports him to the IRS. I hope other donors, I'm f because I got given my refund, I have nothing to go back to. But I hope people now go back to um, was Indiegogo and things like that and say, I want a refund. I have got nothing, even though I know what the things are. There's no promises and things like that. But I hope people start going through those official channels um because yeah, he deserves it, to be honest. Um, Axnar actually sent out an email to all donors so um, saying that um, they have settled the lawsuit. And here are some donor-exclusive details. So um, it goes, Dear donors, we have stood by... You have stood by us for over a year, and today I'm pleased to announce that Axonite Productions has settled its lawsuit with CBS Studios and Paramount <laughs> Pictures <laughs> Corporation. Wrong, wrong, wrong. No, you forced yourself to settle because your shit was going to be exposed. You remember this post you made a couple of months ago where you said you were defiant? You weren't going to cave to these these Goliaths. You were going to be the David, and you were going to stand against CBS and Paramount, and you were going to trial. What happened to that promise? What what changed? What changed in all of this shit to 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 make you turn in two days' time? In two days' time from the judgment that one you couldn't use fair use, and two all of your financials were going to be made public. What changed in that amount of time to make you think that oh, a settlement is a good thing instead of going to trial, like you were so obstinate about for a fucking year? Let's see. Um, hmm. How about what he really spent one and a half million dollars on? <laughs> I would like so, to see that statement. Hookers and cocaine. Yeah. So um, it then goes on to say, since the beginning of the lawsuit over a year ago, we have expressed our desire to address the concerns of the studios and our willingness to make necessary changes as long as we could reasonably meet our commitments to Axonar over 14,000 donors, fans and supporters. We are now able to do exactly that. Then, according to the terms of our agreement with CBS and Paramount, we are able to share a little more detail with you than the general public. 
So here are the highlights of the deal we struck with CBS and Paramount, or at least as much as we can tell you. Our settlement was finalised late last night and early this morning. We are letting you know as soon as possible so you hear it from us first. There are several things we cannot disclose to, to the general public, although you've been given the okay to share some of them with you. Well, okay, okay. First off, um, I want to I want to clarify that it's that the first sentence is our statement. Our, our settlement was finalized late last night and early this morning. The signatures for the finalization of the settlement. Essentially, we signed this, and if we break it, you know, we can wind up right back here where we are. Was signed first on the nineteenth by Miss Ranahan. Essentially, Axenar's lawyer signed the settlement first. That that's that that to me that just says we we this is done. I'm sorry. There's no way this case is even going to remotely be any sort of any sort of ruling that makes case law in our favor or even f that makes case law period even if we lose. So um we're out of here. And then today on the 20th it was signed by the CBS and Paramount lawyers. So it then goes on to say Axnar Productions can continue to distribute Prelude to Axanar on YouTube and at film festivals and conventions, but not at official Star Trek events or conventions. All exhibitions of Prelude to Axanar must be non-commercial. Axanar Productions can produce the story of Axanar, but not as a full-length motion picture feature. Instead, we are limited, as all fan films now are under the fan film guidelines, to two 15-minute segments that can be distributed on YouTube, etc. We will have you to. You said the rules weren't clear. Guess what? They made them clear, and now that you're settling, you now have to follow them. Go fuck yourself. We also have to stick to the guidelines regarding the use of the name Star Trek in the title of the project, and the use of an approved disclaimer, etc. And I bet you they still keep the domain StarTrekAxnar.com like they still have throughout the entire lawsuit. Despite repeatedly saying, we have dropped the use of Star Trek on everything. It's just like, uh, Except they have Twitter and their website. And Facebook and <laughs> yeah, everywhere else. But yeah, they've dropped it. So Then it says, two segments may use the services of Richard Hatch. Gary Graham, Kate Vernon, and J.G. Hertzler, but no other actors who have appeared in professional Star Trek productions. There are also strict guidelines put in place concerning the compensation for the production team, as in none, with regards to their work on the permitted segments. Oh, you mean like a fan film should be? <gasps> Ooh. You, mean, you mean the production team, such as the director uh, and producer, it, it shouldn't be maintaining a $38,000 salary? Yeah, I would kind of think that was common fucking sense, Mr. Peters. And I wonder if that also includes things like the servicing of his cars and things like that. Sushi. <laughs> Carpets. <laughs> so, Axnar Productions will not publicly fundraise for the production of these segments. 
That means no more Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaigns to support the production of the Axanar story, although private donations may be accepted. That may slow things down a bit, but we're developing options that fall within the conditions of our settlement with CBS and Paramount and promise to keep you informed when they're ready to go. And finally, all of Axanar Productions' future Star Trek fan film productions need to adhere to the guidelines for fan films that were issued last June. You made your bed. No lie in it. So, what he's basically said is... In order to do the two 15-minute segments, they're going to do more fundraising. But not public fundraising, because they're not allowed to. They're going to seek private donations. And boy, are people on the Axonar page more than eager to open up their fucking wallet. Yes. And the thing is, it, it just reminds me of sort of what we talked about when we had um, Will and David on earlier on about doing things for charity and making good use of your money, and then you've got people like this that literally just shit it down the toilet. And it's just like, honestly, how can you still think that this bloke deserves any bit of trust with any bit of money? I wouldn't trust him with Monopoly money, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Then it goes on to say, all in all, we have a lot on our plate and we're happy to be back at the table. Throughout this process, we will continue communicating with our fans and backers to ensure they are informed and involved until we reach the completion of the production. As you know, Axnar Production was created by lifelong Star Trek fans to celebrate our love of Star Trek. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to do what we've done so far or realise our dreams for the future. Hmm, more carpets, more studios, is that? I don't know. Together, we can work together to make our vision of Star Trek a dynamic reality. Thanks so much for your confidence and support. Live long and prosper, Alec Peters. Well, there's no mention there when he talks about sort of being able to communicate with people to keep them informed and involved. Oh, you mean like being transparent with financials? which you still haven't done to the donors, because still, the only thing you've released is a shitty spreadsheet that my nine-year-old son could actually create a better thing than you did. To be honest, I wish that he hadn't settled, because I would have loved to... Oh no, there's a lot of people who said the opposite, that, that you know, I wish, I wish, I wish the moment he said he was ready to, to settle, CBS went, nope, deal is off the fucking table, you're going to court now. I know. And uh, and a lot of people, a lot of people would have been wholeheartedly for that. Uh, and and okay, yeah, I understand that. But at the, at the, at the same time, I hate saying this, but CBS and Paramount have been the bigger man this whole time. Yeah. So they have they have literally kept this deal on the table the whole time because. It is better PR for them to hold the whole damn thing out and have him finally cave like the rat he fucking is and get himself exposed as a fucking rat and still have those people who want to donate to him donate to him and live with the PR that they had settled the lawsuit than to pull it off the table at the last minute and have 
uh, Alec go rant and rave. They pulled the deal. I was ready to settle, but they pulled the deal. It's not fair. These people are so crooked and underhanded. And as little traction as that may have gotten, you know, and as and as 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 holy as they could have destroyed them in court, CBS and Paramount went. Look, we're tired of this shit. We we know you're doing this because you don't want the financials done, and now that you have been told flat out the financials have to come out, you're ready to deal. Okay, we'll deal. CB, the corporation is being the bigger person in this. Let that yeah. sink in. Alex Wonder um, said something in chat which completely agree with, um, which is what partly sort of just pisses me off with the whole thing is remember how fans showered Mav who was medically in need with money like they did Axana? Yeah, I want to go puke too. And it's true. You've got, even if you want to do things for Star Trek, you've got people who do things for the community um, and who are in dire need of financial help. And you've got people even after Sort of all these things are released, all these other people who are involved sort of just disappearing, sort of like Tony Todd and all these other people who sort of said what was happening. And they're like, no, 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 Alec Peters can't do anything wrong. We'll keep paying for Axanar. Even now, after all the stuff that's actually been released, they're still willing to throw their money sort of at him. It's just like, honestly, why? And the, the worst How? part. The worst part to me is okay. I can I, look. I can understand those blind followers, and there's always going to be blind followers, and there's always going to be new people who come in and have never seen the thing, and see the prelude thing, and go, "Hey, I want to donate to the thing," and they come in new, not knowing all this shit has gone in, and then they get exposed to all that shit, and 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 have done whatever to. Okay, yeah, I understand that side. What gets me, what crawls under my skin, what really, I guess what grinds my gears in this case is that the the other side, the people who have been burned, the people who knew from the get-go that something was wrong here and, and started investigating, those people, the people who've been harassed and called haters and whatnot, at this point... They too have started to to turn to that dark and seedy underside that that Axanar has always had. The problem is they say that they're justified somehow in doing the shit that they're doing, and that's God. That's a terrible thing for anybody to say. You know, I somebody posted. Um, they started making memes out of uh, you know out of out of the product you know out of people's. Twitters, uh, tweets, and stuff. And it's like, okay, one, I, I don't know who this person is or how they're connected. You do? Okay, fair enough. Why are you bringing shit that is wholly not related to them talking about the case into this as a fucking meme? Mm. You're bringing their personal lives into this shit and it's somehow justified? No, fuck you. Because the moment you do that and you say they deserve it is the moment everyone who has a vendetta against you gets to turn around and expose your 
public, private life on any sort of social media whatsoever. And anybody who says that it's justifiable because they're a public figure now, well, okay, guess what? Everybody on Facebook is a public figure, even to your friends. Everybody on Twitter is a public uh, figure, even to their friends. doesn't matter if you've locked yourself just to friends or if you've got your posts for everybody to see. The moment you say it is okay, it is justified, it is deserved to pull people's lives into another thing, you're, you're wholly destroying your own self because people can turn around and do the same shit to you and you can't cry foul. And I won't sit there and baby you when that does happen. And yeah, this caused me a whole bunch of shit the other day because I went, I, yeah, I didn't say it in any, I didn't say it in any nice terms. I literally flat out and said, well, that means I can call you this name to one of my closest friends. And boy, did he get upset. I mean, really upset. And I know it hurt. You know, I know it hurt because it was meant to hurt. And after a while, him and I got to talking because I, I let him cool off and I, we got to talking and I said, look, you can't do this to people. Just like, just like what I said was wrong to you, you can't think it is okay to turn around and do this to other people just because they did something you didn't agree with. I mean, it is wholly okay to go after Trump when Trump does something that is part of the political spectrum because that's his job now. That is literally the thing he is working to do. But you don't drag his kids into the thing because his kid isn't involved. You don't drag somebody else's personal life into a thing that isn't directly connected to the thing you're upset at them about. Because that's not how it works. That's petty. That's vindictive. And in some cases, that is even more torturous than those people over there in the Axenor camp that go, You're a hater. Fuck you. You need to go off and die. Because those kinds of words from the Exner camp can be can can wholly be just tossed off to the side and discounted. But when a person has this misguided what is the word I'm looking for? Like this this righteous indignation, I think is the term, that what they're saying is godly and because you know, because it is deserved, anything they say is 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 holy with merit and and, and is ordained by whatever God you believe in. Sorry. That's that's how all this shit starts in the first place. That's how wars start. That's how people die. Miscommunication. Look, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I just, uh, why? Why did you guys allow yourselves in the CBS Paramount camp to get that way? It is even more insidious. It's even more insidious than the persons on the other side saying that they hate you. Because you think you have a reason, wholly justified by law and by God, to, 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 to do this shit. No, you're yanking somebody's private shit into the, you know, even though it may be public, into public. And if, if, okay, if that's the case, then I have every right to expose any of my friends ever who have talked about their shit in public. Now, looking at axamonitor.com, um, Carlos, as always, is very helpful with reporting all the facts of the case and has got... Um, a report set up for the settlement. 
and some of the stuff that's in there includes remaining obstacles. So included is a threatened trademark lawsuit by former Axonar chief technologist Terry McIntosh over Axonar's continued use of the name Ares Digital and its perk fulfillment platform. Pending complaints made to both the Federal Inland Revenue Service and California's tax board about whether Axonar properly paid taxes. Oh, I hope people have been reporting him. Um, a possible class action lawsuit brought by disaffected um, crowdfunding donors. Unfortunately, not being in America and having mine refunded, I can't, but hopefully others do. Possible bankruptcy proceedings if Axonar fails to win other legal actions. This would be the second time Peters has declared bankruptcy for one of his companies. PropWorks was the first in which Peters left MGM holding the bag for nearly a quarter of a million dollars. You know, if he declares two more times, he could run for president. <laughs> Don't go giving him bloody ideas. But yeah, PropWorks, which magically reappeared... Um, around the same time as all this Axonar stuff. Supposedly no money was used, but, well, we don't have financials because, well, he wants to be transparent. Oh, wait, hang on. That doesn't make sense. Hmm. Um, possible through the elimination of Axonar's finances due to these other legal actions, unlike the constrained independent review <laughs> Peters had promised. Yeah, independent review of people connected to Axonar on a very limited basis. Yeah, you can only look at this part of the financials only. <laughs> uh, so, less money. Crowdfunding campaigns were already diminishing returns before the suit was even filed. No professionals, including possibly director Robert Meyer Burnett and special effects wizard Tobias Richter. And as the email didn't specify either of those two, that's probably a given. Donors who have already waited a long time and might not be interested in throwing good money after bad. Well, unfortunately, there are still people who will. And his actions and meltdowns all online for all to see. So they're all the items that um, Carlos has listed as remaining obstacles. And then, of course, he puts back puts about the scaled back production allowed so two 15 minute films um so yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does this but um yeah he's allowed to use a few people but it'll be interesting to see if any of those people actually want to go help him so i don't know honestly don't know because at this point i would wholly just just considering the current guidelines, just the current guidelines, as somebody who, you know, as somebody who had worked on a Star Trek production, I would go, yeah, no, you can ask me to come all you want, but I'm not going because I'm not going to risk that career. And especially with a new TV series in the works where these actors could show probably up as want characters. to actually be as new characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would want to stay on the good side of CBS and just go, no, sorry, I'm not interested anymore. So it'd be interesting to see how this all links into the prelude that they'll be using to sell to donors. I'm sure they'll have to rewrite it all again, then lock the script 
but it won't be the final one. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many lawsuits end up going after him again. And, yeah, I hope one of them gets a look at the financials just so we can really see how much of a crook this guy really is. Because I'm sorry, I very much doubt this is above board because, yeah, he wouldn't have done half the stuff that he'd done if he was above board on all of it. And he would have been truly transparent. Like like the people over at Star Trek Continues. Hmm. Who, who, yet, who use less than half of what you got to get more than you've produced. Well, he hasn't produced anything. He produced a demo. <laughs> That's basically all he's done. He hasn't produced a damn thing. That's what I'm saying. And from the reports of staff that worked with him, it's all because he doesn't know what he's doing. I think there are reports... So we've seen and read the interviews where it's just like this guy just had no idea of what people should be doing in all the different roles. um, roles. uh, They can't even rent out um, the studio because, like, it's not up to code from what I've been told. Yeah, the the electrical systems in that warehouse, because it's not a studio, it's a warehouse, are not up to code. And in fact... The the big thing about the warehouse is a lot of this, a lot of the shit literally isn't up to code because everybody who's talked about touring the studio says it smells like sewage, <laughs> literal shit. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, I I also wanted to point out that there was some discussion back and forth that. Um, Terry Macin- uh, Macintosh, who, who worked on the production and left, and he was the creator of Aries Digital, said he had stuff to to issue to the court in the case should it go to trial. And now that the trial is is kind of kiboshed, the information that he had will be going to to a certain website. Um, that is solely uh, used t- for the facts in the case, not not entire conjecture, but sticking mostly to the facts of the case. So I hope so. And yes, it rhymes with plaxabobler. <laughs> well, time so, will tell. Yeah. Hopefully, he keeps his promise. Okay, so science lab. What's been going on in the real world? Stu? Yes, um, unfortunately, the first item I have here is an obituary. Eugene Cernan, the last man on the moon, has died at the age of 82. Eugene Cernan was a naval aviator with more than 200 carrier landings to his credit. He died on Monday, aged 82. He died in Houston with his family at his side after a long illness. That's sad. On December the 14th, 1972, Cernan became the last of a dozen men to walk on the moon as commander of the Apollo 17 mission. Mm-hmm. When he was there, he wrote in the lunar dust the initials of his only child, his daughter Tracy. When he was in the Navy, he flew... F-4s and A-4s, and he retired from the military and NASA in 1976. 
Later in life, he became a staunch advocate of aviation safety, presenting at the Bombardier's safety stand-down sessions. The National Business Aviation Association honoured Sermon with a Meritorious Service to Aviation Award in 2013 at their annual convention, which he was a regular attendee of. I do have to add that um, the Apollo 17 mission was filled with a lot of record breakers, um, the most notable of which is the length of time spent outside of the module on the lunar surface, and that was 22 hours. Well, yeah, because in the, there was even a a noted game of golf on the moon as well at one point. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> in space, no one can hear you for. I guess with that sort of gravity, the ball would just... You'd never see it again. That's... I, I don't want to say that's what happened, but you would you would think that's what would happen. But it's more, it's more likely that the golf ball actually did the football thing from Warehouse 13. So you're like, just... You, in Warehouse 13, there's like this football that shows up every so often. And oh, it's literally yeah. pick the football up and throw it, and the football circumnavigates the earth back to the warehouse, <laughs> falls, you pick it up, and you toss it again. To be honest, what came to mind was actually Stargate um, SG-1, Window of Opportunity, um, where Tilk and O'Neill are repeating the same, was it, 10 hours or something repeatedly. And they played golf through the Stargate. <laughs> it's just like, how far do you think that is? <laughs> sort of like I've seen that one. Thousand yeah. light years. <laughs> that, that was the first thing that came to mind as soon as you were talking about how far it went um, being on the moon. <laughs> it was just like... Uh, but yeah, that was the first thing that came into my mind. <laughs> That's understandable. It's more relatable than a football. Yeah. Well, American football, anyway. You guys have... You guys have football, which is what soccer. we call soccer. We have proper football, you know, the game where you actually uh, no, use look, your feet. I, look, I totally agree. <laughs> I 100% agree. You guys got the proper football, but God, I wish America would stop changing stuff. Like, we just changed presidents and everything's going to hell right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching all the social media. But, I have friends in Canada who are actually worried about losing their job now, and I'm like, yeah, see, this is what I've been worried about. You'll have the Super Bowl soon. Are you sure? Well, is, it, <laughs> is the Super Bowl having issues? At this point, I would not be surprised if we got a freak hurricane and the location of the Super Bowl was absolutely destroyed in a, in a Hurricane Katrina type event. Honestly. At this point, it would not surprise me. The funny thing is, I know we don't do politics here but when it came to trump and his inauguration for some reason the only tune that i got stuck in my head was it's the end of the world as we know it oh, well, <laughs> oh, oh, i shared that on facebook that was that was going on i i yeah looking back through feeds there was that there was um Things, i've not seen any of those or listened to it but for some reason somebody mentioned it and that just popped into my head and I've not been able to get it out of my head for like four days now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I understand. I just, uh... but anyway, mm -hmm. let's move away from politics. So 
Um, yes, we've also um, had a report um, that Will Wheaton has had an asteroid named after him. So, um, asteroid 391257 is now called Will Wheaton. So, um, it showed up in an announcement on Twitter on Wednesday um, from NASA's Ron Bulk, um, who describes himself as a space explorer at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So, it's not the first Star Trek personality who has had an asteroid named after them because you've got um, George Takei, you've got um, Nicole, um, Michelle Nichols, um, and you've also got Gene Roddenberry. So each of them all have asteroids named after them as well. So um, I'm, 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 I, I know you're in the middle of doing this thing, but I, I have to, I just, I have to get this out. Um, why Will Wheaton? I mean, is the asteroid singing or something? Because the only reason I could think of 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 them naming an asteroid Will Wheaton is because they want they're they're trying to make the joke shut up Wesley. That's the only thing that crosses my mind for <laughs> calling an asteroid Will Wheaton. I don't know. Um, Will Wheaton has always been a geek, so sort of like one of them sort of thing. So I think for the people naming that, if they're going to name it after any of the Star Trek celebrities, someone who likes to do sort of like geeky things would be a choice to make. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Will Wheaton has been like this huge proponent of of change in our in our public viewing of what geekiness is and, and the acceptance of it. So if anything, he should be a freaking comet because yes, one, he is he he is this kind of mini star to a lot of people. Uh, you know, and with him he brings this change. This is like the tail of a comet. You know, he leaves this trail of change behind him. And you know, yes, going back to the original joke, a lot of people will go, Will Wheaton's named after a comet. It's a screaming comet. Shut up, Wesley. You know, okay. <laughs> you know, there's 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 no logical reason to just name a, an asteroid that's sitting in the middle of a belt Will Eaton to me. Unless it's unless it's either making noise or it is significantly doing something. Because Will Wheaton is a person who is either mocked for being the annoying little brat in TNG or is lauded for the change that he's brought. Well, as I said, I, I think it's probably just because he's geeky still, and he wears that with pride. So, um, yeah, the is, is, if that was the reason and Will Wheaton found out about it, well, he wouldn't like it, because if you listen to anything he said, one of the things that really just pisses him off is people going to him, shut up, Wesley. Well, yeah, but see, now they don't have to say it at him. They can say it at the comet. <laughs> it kind of bypasses the whole... Yeah, but they can't because the comet is called his real name, not his character's name. Again, this is why, you know, this is why it being a comet would make more sense than an asteroid. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so I guess now it's on to 
community. Well, feedback. we'll never have Will Wheaton on the show because I've pissed him off. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? Well, this conversation we just had. Oh, if, right. <laughs> if he ever hears this conversation, he will be pissed. So, community feedback. Son, did you want to. Oh, boy. Hello, Alex. Could you, like, um, reply on a Wednesday or something? <laughs> <laughs> not not three minutes before the show starts? <laughs> you know he does it deliberately just for you. Uh, well, yes, it is interesting and and kind of... It breaks my immersion to have somebody agree with me. <laughs> when you say interesting, do you mean, like... Last week, three minutes after the show had started, me sort of being not very involved in the show because I'm scrambling about trying to separate his feedback up for all the sections. I, I, I honestly ah. wasn't paying attention. I honestly wasn't <laughs> paying attention because I was trying to keep the show going. Anyway. So our first community question for last week was, "What do you th- wait, do we have feedback from the previous week that we were catching up or did we do that last week for the week before yeah we caught up with last week's feedback and feedback that was missed from the previous week okay because i've guys i've had one hell of a week somebody went and reported my profile as fake on facebook so that started and just then you mean fake book uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, it's been it's been one of those weeks. So, yeah, yeah fake sun is that like moon? You're, you're a fake, fake. <laughs> and 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 to be honest, I can I can I can perfectly see some people, you know, being you know that vindictive about stuff and just doing it. So, it's just you're a pain. hater. <laughs> It's just a pain. But yeah, no, okay. Uh, the community question, our, our first community question for last week was, what do you think so far about the announced information uh, for Star Trek Online Season 12? Alex replied on the forums, yay! Season 12 itself sounds like it's going to be just another season. Something something system, this time around crafting something something new exciting yawn story arc something something trek actor because voice actors are not worthy of mention unless they did something real acting in their own fan production wait what oh okay yeah i understand what you're saying now so the only unusual part seems to be that it launches alongside the anniversary usually cryptic tries to spread their content much thinner than this I'm not sure what to make of this, so let's wait for the anniversary infographic. Yes, Cryptic. I am intently waiting for that one. Make it count. We talked about this, if I'm not mistaken, with Ricosa when Ricosa was here. It's like, where's the infographic? It's like, oh, well, we didn't think we really needed one. It's like, well, your player base has come to depend on that as, you know... The the barest essentials of your quote unquote metrics for when you say your metrics support a certain thing or not because metrics. So there's that. Hopefully they do release one. Community question two was what would you like to see in year two of Star Trek timelines? 
Alex replied, and it wasn't a, I don't play timelines. It was actual feedback for this question. I haven't read it yet, but it's longer than I don't play timelines. So I'm going to assume it's actual feedback. Oh, so it's not, I really don't play timelines. <laughs> said, okay, this time around, you're going to get a real answer. I don't want, I don't want anything anymore. As long as the Tribbles crew was still excited about it. And the timelines people were showing up for an interview. I was willing to take a look, but there was no browser version. And then Tribble's crew started getting a little less excited. And then even Midnight, the eternal optimist, stopped subscribing to that game. I think I won't need a browser version anymore. So thanks, timelines. I must say, I have actually got back into the game. And I've even started subscribing to the monthly thing again. Well, yeah, because buying the crew slots is half priced than they used to be. So, so you can actually buy them with a the monthly thing now. Well, actually, I'd got to the point where it didn't really make any difference on the price thing. So um, that didn't really help. But I don't know what changed. I just some of the little things on the UI makes things nicer. And um, yeah, just some little things. I have got back into it a little bit more. Um, not as much as it used to be, but yeah, I have actually picked up my game because it still has some. Because it really still has some of the same problems it had at the beginning. Yeah, um, they're still continuously making changes, and I'll keep playing it. But no, I am more excited about it than I have been, but not as excited as excited about it as I was. Wait a minute, sense. wait a minute, back up. You were wholly about to say as exploited as you were in the first bit. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> yes, you were. Um, Alex has asked in chat, um, but did you stop subscribing at some point and that counts? Um, yeah, I stopped getting the monthly Dilithium um, token thing. Um, I stopped doing that for probably about six weeks. Um, Maybe a little bit more. So okay. our third our third community question was, what do you think of the NX refit picture released by Massively OP and Priority One? Because Priority One did not link to the Massively OP article. They just posted all of those pictures. So I wonder if they got in trouble. Uh, Alex replied on the forum, see, that's not just a touch-up when it, when it comes to the textures of a ship. The whole engineering section is a new part. They had to touch the model or even make a new model from scratch. I sincerely doubt they would do that without turning around and trying to sell it to us. And since and since the tier six Connie and uh, the tier six K Connie, which is the Kelvin version, the JJ version of the Connie, and the tier six C Connie Connie broke all reason and logic that might have lingered around, this is probably going to be a Tier 6 NX refit. And it will probably use the old skin because, of course, it will. Moving on. I so, recently saw a video uh, by Zeph Films. Uh, this guy is really good at getting the best sort of visual looks out of ships and making essentially ship porn videos about them but he did a a talk through of the the nx as it is in game now and the nx new as variant. it appears in the picture 
Um, no, it's actually just the standard tier one. It doesn't have the the new hull underneath it. I think. No, the, no, no. What I'm saying is he's showing off the difference between the the tier one and the one that's in the picture. Uh, no, it's not the one that's in the picture. The one that's in the picture okay. is some kind of refit version by uh, Doug Drexler that was made for a ship's. So he's just calendar. showing off the the tier one in X with yeah. the new model. And the okay. the old one is just like well, he goes into major detail on it, and it's it doesn't have any. There's no detail. There's it's just blocks and cubes and squares. Whereas the new one's got shuttle bays and cargo bays and stuff. And from the looks of it, this has been expanded upon for the one that has the the engineering hull like slung underneath it that showed up in the calendar a few years back. Oh, God. I have to wonder now what a Tier 6 version of the Narsene Aquatic Carrier is going to look like. Because it's coming. My God, I know it's coming. Well, I'll put the YouTube link into our show notes um, for Z Films as well. All right, so community question four, and one I pretty much didn't respect or expect any response from. So, because people kind of don't respect over at Cryptic the Klingons. That's that's where my that's where my slip up was. Do you think there would be? Uh, do you think there will be a Klingon-only ship sale in the next year for Star Trek Online? Alex responded on the forum and said, "There won't be. I'm not sure there should be, but there won't be. So I think I'm done here." Yeah, I, 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 I felt the same way. It doesn't mean I shouldn't ask the question though. So general feedback. We received an email from Mark Pollock, and uh, it was a link to a song. Um, yep. Uh, did you the Great Tribal Hunt. Yep. I, did, I, have, I have not looked at this. I will play that in a moment. Um, if you want to keep going go through the other ones, I was going to move that below everyone else's, but okay. I forgot. Okay, okay. Uh, Brandon Gray responded on our our YouTube post for the episode last week and said they could use the original John Eves design for the D4 Battlecruiser that was never shown on screen or used in the series. For that episode in Enterprise, when they ended up using the Katinga model they had from DS9. I guess this is in reference to the making a Klingon ship Tier 6 or a TOS version Klingon ship for you know for sale in regards to the here here's a whole pack of federation stuff oh by the way romulans and klingons you only get the 31 century stuff that's what i'm going to assume that this comes from that conversation so okay so fred kasdan's basement also commented on the youtube post for last week's episode and said good stuff gentlemen Stowe having an increasing uh, an increase in side quests could be interesting. In fact, why not just bring back the old explorer areas that are now just doff stop off points? Fred also recently gave us uh, uh, Hollow Sweet Media's YouTube a shout out in uh, a few recent YouTube videos. So thanks, Fred. Thanks, Fred. Thank you. Okay, now it comes to everybody's favorite time of the show. 
Alex's Corner. So, general feedback from Alex. Zombie suggestion to get people to play the least played cues. On that particular suggestion, it seems too complicated to me. Especially when there's a solution out there. World of Warcraft's dungeon browser, or however you want to call it, uh, allows you to queue for a dungeon or a heroic dungeon of your choice. But that's not the default setting. The default setting is queue for a random dungeon or random heroic dungeon. And if you use the default op option, you get a reward when you complete the, the dungeon. Makes sense. What kind of reward? Doesn't matter, because Sto is a different game with a different economy. Figuring out a reward for Stowe's awesome random, and he even named it this, random Q and just a letter, right? Random Q. I, I would, I really would prefer that's that, that that was what they were called. Random Qs. A random Q button. <laughs> you change it with the anniversary event. You have all those supposedly child Q, Qs running around on the academies and places for Q's birthday. And uh, at the same time, you change the Stowe Qs to be called random Qs. Uh, and whether or not their existing rewards would have been changed for this would is a work uh, is work that is job for the devs. But if you do have any questions, just ask Timberwolf. I mean, WoW's random dungeon finder has existed for so many years now, and the rewards have been tweaked a few times. So it's not just a pie in the sky suggestion; it's a tried and true feature. Okay, there were a few more things I wanted to talk about and mention, but time is running out, so maybe next week. I'm not entirely sure. By the way, have you decided if there's going to be a show next week because of the Season 12 live stream, or do you have an idea when you're going to uh, get an announcement, or when we're going to get an announcement? Midnight? Um, given the fact that quite a few of us now are in the UK, and it's already a one o'clock start for us, and we've also got listeners who listen live who are an hour ahead of us. I'm just going to keep to our scheduled time and um, do our own thing. Um, we should have Manu Interami returning um, to join us again next week. So, um, yeah, we'll have him on the show. So, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Yes. Um, this is why we this is why we don't ever announce him being on the show because it's like well we we plan on being here but suddenly the world falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's the plan for next week. So we're intending to have a normal start time, and um, yeah, I'm going to try and keep an eye on things that are going on, um, or have somebody just keeping an eye um, on any information that might be released. There you go, guys. Getting back to Alex's feedback. Oh, right. The Season 12 livestream. Yes, it's more than odd that you keep people from playing that supposedly awesome new content that just launched. I understand preview streams or launch streams or streams when the excitement is about to wind down, but the timing of this one seems odd to me. Oh, well. Good luck. I don't, underst I don't understand the, uh, the keeping people from playing the content. That I don't understand because this this 
quite literally is a stream that 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 goes live the day after. I think it's odd that it's a live stream the day after all this content goes live anyway. It's like, uh, shouldn't you do this the day before this content goes live? Well, no, because the people are involved because you've got multiple developers. They're going to be getting things ready and making sure stuff's in place. Um, although things will be sort of getting ready to go, they'll probably be doing final checks and balances and stuff like that. So as a developer, I can see why they wouldn't want to schedule anything for before uh, and would want to give themselves at least a day after. So if anything terrible does go wrong, if they're needed, they can then be on call rather than having to cancel um, a live stream like that. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I can I... see why it's done afterwards. Plus, when people want to play, if people are interested in what they're seeing, then they'll hopefully, if they're not home because it's on Facebook, um, they can actually head home and go and play rather than going, oh, well, I can't do that till tomorrow and then forget. So it's just another way to get people in game. Have there are some people Alex who here. would see it on Facebook, get home and have forgotten in the first place. Well, it goes on for quite a while. It's not a short live stream. They've got multiple interviews and it lasts for hours. So, but unfortunately, it's not a good time for European listeners as it's basically the same start time as our usual show, if I recall correctly. I'm going to have to side with Alex here and say it's it's weird that they're they're having it at the time that, well, your people should be pl- playing the game, not watching dev interviews and having lots of dev interviews at the same time as well why not you know break them up get your community manager in there whatever happened to him i've not really seen him you know very active in any kind of interviews at all and he should be having say a weekly thing on a sunday morning with a dev having an interview you know keep the community sort of interested sunday is a day f- at home for developers. It's not a work day. And well, sorry, there's, a lo- there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that the new community manager has to take over from Trendy. Um, so there's going to be some time while things get set up. So, yeah, I've, getting a new community manager, I'd never expected things to sort of get started immediately. Oh, yeah, no. I don't expect anything to start at all like this this <laughs> live stream is kind of this this stream is actually kind of a pie in the sky moment happening in real time because does anybody remember captain smirk like captain smirk like beat his own ass to try and keep the 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 twitch thing of of star trek online alive and well it kind of just consumed him and since then that's it's kind of not happened anymore because those people are under too much pressure to do way too much, and they can't like do every fucking thing like they're asked to do. And the thing is, is well, when it came to laughing trendy, um, she'd got the forum move over that she was involved in to vanilla and all these other big projects that meant her time was taken up, so it couldn't be done sort of concentrating on the live streams although she did try um so 
and it's the same thing. We don't know what other projects are sort of in the works and things like that. So, yeah, there's going to be some time before these things happen. And it's good that they're actually using their own channels to do this. And the fact it's on Facebook means more people will see it on their feeds and potentially watch as well. Because um, it'll be nice and easy to get involved no matter where they are, as long as they've got a decent signal. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Yeah, we may not get anything for another month or two. We'll have to wait and see. We had Mark Pollock, who reached out to us via email, who said that um, a little while ago they created a song called The Great Triple Hunt. So I've been given the MP3, so I thought I would play it to everyone, and I will also include a link for people to download it and listen to it if they wish to in our show notes. So, yeah, this is... Um, a few minutes long, and as we said, it's from Mark Pollock, and it's called The Great Triple Hunt. Here we go. Many years ago, when I was quite ignorant, stories were told of a great triple hunt. The Klingons were proud, the battles were grim. This is our story. Let it begin. The ship was on course, its defenses were down. The beast snuck aboard with nary a sound. They infested the ship and captured its food. They drove people mad and they were very, very, very rude. The Klingons were hungry and had to think quick. <laughs> Some tried triple flambe, but got very sick. So they traveled the stars in search of a meal. They had to move fast to trade, borrow, or steal. Not seeing their flaw as they made every stop, the creatures got out in search of new crops. When they finally got home, the danger had ceased. The ship was destroyed, of course. The crew treated and released. All was fine till a wandering battlecruiser beamed up a package thought to contain a simple grain. Read the battle call! 
assemble the forces, sound the alarms. It's a good day to die, so come to arms. Bring out my captive, it's hungry for blood. We'll save the empire, they'll die with my thud. The galaxy, wherever they're bound, their wars are shrill. It bristles my hair, my favorite glow, since furry flames in the air. So assemble the forces, sound the alarm. It's a good day to die, so come to arms. Bring out the battle, it's hungry for blood. great triple hunt i like that <laughs> just got this massive smile on my face after hearing that what did you think son i think i enjoyed the um what is that where you kind of reverse a voice that they did in the that that he he did in the second part um it's like he said something and then flipped it around and used that as part of his backbeat for the track yeah i can't remember what it's called the first time I, I heard it, I thought the first time the little last chant of Hunt, I thought he said another word beginning with C, the very first part. It's like, oh, no, it's, wow. it's like, and then it's just like, no, 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 it's Hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I actually, I actually like the. I wish there was more power and force behind it. You know, just, just. It, it was very soft. I wish it was a little louder and more, you know... I wanted to say this is coming from a Klingon, and it's kind of timid to me. Well, it, uh, but me, look, it I, is... I, I understand. It's a great song. It's a great song. I don't, I don't hate it. Yeah, that's to just, me, it is someone a... Nar- a narrating, not someone who is a Klingon. Right. So well, that's the that, way yeah, I took yeah. it. Okay, yeah, I could, I could understand that, but I really, I really did like the, I liked the backing track for the second half of it. I really did. Yeah, I did as well. That's really good. So, thank you, Mark, for that. Okay, well, that's got to the end of the show. As always, we will have links in our show notes when it is published for download and streaming. So, 
community questions for this week. Um, tell us, what was your first convention experience like? Um, did you go to a small one, a big one? Um, were you made to feel welcome? Be interested to find out. Question two. What do you think about the Star Trek Online reputation system? So that's the new Star Trek Online reputation system. Um, question three. What would you like to see in Star Trek Timelines version 1.7? And question four. Do you have any Tribbles-related songs or poems you would like us to share on the show? If so, send them in. Also, uh, question five, and this is not really a question, it's more like a homework assignment. Alex, you said you were missing a whole bunch of feedback that you wanted to comment on. Write it down now so you're not pressed for time later. You're welcome. And I, I know I've just shot myself in the foot, okay? Let's move on. <laughs> and, yeah, Alex, you can always just email it in to us as well if you want to. Um, then I have to not, wait for the not, forum post not, to go up. Not three minutes but not three minutes before the show starts, though, please, because we'll never see it. <laughs> Are we going to have to credit him as, like, a writer in the, the credits at the end of the show? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, if you'd like to join any of our fleets in Star Trek Online on the Federation faction, we are Tribbles and Ecstasy Psy Fleet, and for the KDF, it's Targs and Ecstasy. If you'd like to join us in Timelines, it's Tribbles in Ecstasy. You can get us in syndication every Wednesday at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. And you can also get us all over the social networks with us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Star Trek Riser, and Player.me. Just search for Tribbles in XTC and you will find us. You can email us at hosts at tribblesinxc.com. Or if you go to the show notes, there is a little widget that you can record a message. Or if you'd like to go to SpeakPipe direct, go to speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles in XTC. All these links are always in the show notes as well, if you can't remember how to find us. So that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back next week, hopefully with Manuin Taremi and some updates about his The Circuit project. So... Until then, goodbye, everyone. It's over! We're all gonna die! Oh, no. You gonna say goodbye, Stu? Goodbye, Stu. <laughs> Catch you all later, guys.
tonight's broadcast of Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesinExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends. <laughs>